I'm Tristan, uh, aka uh, Chunky Cheese, joined by Rubes, aka uh, Wild Blue Cheese, uh, also Lockie, aka uh, Sexy Cheese, and uh, JL, uh, who is of course Sneaky Cheese, aka BA Baracus, BA standing for bolt action. Uh, Lockie is Face Man because he's the most attractive of us. Uh, Rubes is of course Man Murdoch because who else takes two IS3s in a list? And uh, I am, of course, uh, be uh, Hannibal because I love it when a plan comes together, which for me almost never ever happens. Guys, thank you for joining us again. Um, how are we, boys? Having a good night? Yeah, doing great. Uh, great to be back. Always, always a good, good Anzac Day to here. Um, yeah, it's a bit of a public holiday, so we've been uh, playing some games. It's been a bit of fun. Before we go any further, um, Rubes. Yeah, on that, um, as we all know, today is Anzac Day. Um, quite a uh, significant day in our history and New Zealand's history as well. So I'd just like to do a little bit of a, a reading as a thank you to those that have served, both, both past and present. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not weary them, nor the years condemn. At the going down of the sun and in the morning, we will remember them, lest we forget. Lest we forget. Thank you for that, Rubes. And yeah, a big, uh, big thank you uh, to all our past and present members uh, who are serving. Uh, we we're very, very proud of you guys. Uh, we're pretty lucky that even on the um, on the Baconburger roster, we do actually have uh, a serving member. Um, I'm, of course, uh, speaking about the Admiral, aka Damien Hanson. Damien, we miss you. Can't wait for you to come back to Melbourne, brother. So I think we'll jump straight into it. Uh, hobby, Rubes. Talk to me. Hobby, yes. I've actually got uh, my hobby uh, game on quite a bit this month. Um, as I may have mentioned in the past, I am a bit uh, anal and uh, pedantic with recording my hobby time and keeping track of it on spreadsheets and the like. You're such an Anthony. <laughs> I've taken it one step further and I have actually uh, begun cataloguing my armies, all 33 of them. What? 33 lists I have. In preparation, thirty-three lists or thirty-three armies. Well, thirty-three, 33 armies. armies didn't fight in World War Two. How have you done that? <laughs> well, you got to look at it. you got like, for example, my Americans. I've got U.S. Army. Sure. All right. I've got Winter U.S. Army. Right. U.S. Marines. U.S. Paratroopers. Good God. There's four armies right there. So I've been cataloging what's painted and what's not painted, so that in future when I write lists, I know where I can go. I might actually, uh, we might actually put up a picture on the. Um, on the uh, Facebook page, I reckon. Uh, it's like, just going to be like an empty room and you buried in plastic and metal. Pretty much. It's like that meme that was going around with the gypsy reading someone's future and she goes, 
oh my god, that, that I see you, I see you in a room. Oh my god, there's so many unpainted miniatures. That's good that's god, that's a, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that's a lot of miniatures. That's a lot of miniatures. But on that front, I've uh, I've clocked up about thirty something hours of painting this month so far, so I'm quite awesome. happy with that. Good. Um, cracking away on my Belgian force for uh, Op Bear. Um, I've nearly got my my entire collection of Belgians painted. I've got some more. I think may have arrived at my parents' place uh, today or yesterday, so uh, they'll be nicely added in. Um, other than that, just uh, random odds and ends, just as the mood takes me. Fantastic. Um, Lockie, a, a lot has happened to you in the last, say, four weeks. Oh, yeah. Well, you could, you could, you could say that. I've done a lot of hobby, but I, I'm guessing that's not what you're talking about. No. <laughs> What happened, Lockie? Talk us through it. Uh, so um, I think last time we, we, we spoke, everyone um, on the cast, uh, I was, you know, bright-eyed. I was off to Cambodia for a life-changing experience. I was going to backpack around. Sex-change experience. Sex change experience. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't quite that life-changing. Um, no, but I was, I was meant to be away for about probably a month, maybe a bit more than that. Um, I'd rented my room out for that period of time. You're a Frenchman? Uh, no, he was actually an English guy. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah. <laughs> um, and no, so I had did have some issues in Cambodia. I got uh, food poisoning a couple of times. I got attacked by sand flies, and that wasn't very good. But the main thing was uh, in Phnom Penh. I actually got um, I got robbed, um, which That's wasn't so a lot of fucking fun. <laughs> yeah, no, like I mean, you laugh at it, but my my life is a joke. Um, <laughs> Uh, but let me let, uh, so phone, passport, sunglass, all that shit. Luckily, I had my wallet. But let me tell you this, listener: never lose your passport in Cambodia. What no. a shit storm! What a what a nightmare of just like a, a thing to happen to someone. Because oh my god, like the you, you the, sorry the Australian embassy over there is just like not not a help at all. Like they just take take your money for um for an emergency passport, which is basically just enough to get you home and then offer really no consular assistance otherwise. And uh, then basically you have to go through uh, Cambodian immigration for another four or five days. Go, You have to go there through about three times So ba- because basically what happens is you get your emergency visa and you don't actually have um, a stamp on your passport saying that you're allowed to be in Cambodia and you're not allowed to leave Cambodia. So I was there in Phnom Penh, but which was... I really like Cambodia, um, but uh, like the other places I went to, but Phnom Penh is a shithole and it's the worst worst place I've ever been to. And I've, oh I have done God. a bit of travelling. Um, have you ever been in so a Turkish prison? <laughs> no, as Do I you said, like movies about gladiators? I, I see the re-education camp didn't uh, really stick. No, it didn't. Bangkok Hilton. Oh, my God. Oh, my gosh. No, look, I didn't enjoy Phnom Penh and I was stuck there and it was, uh, yeah, uh, just a nightmare. Just traumatic. To, oh, they, wouldn't, they wouldn't let me leave. They would not let me leave without a stamp in my passport, which that's takes four true. days to get. Um, yeah, like four days for somebody. Just to stamp go, my passport. Bonk. Let, let me leave. I, I, can't, I, I rang you up over um, Messenger. Yeah, I, I noticed that, like in the chat, you were you were not your normal chirpy self. Yeah, and you picked up <laughs> and you were like, you're like, hey man, I said, hey, what's going on? You're like, just got robbed. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> like, but like, seriously, it is, it's. I said it to you at the time, like, I promise I won't bring it up. And you're like, no, bring it up. It's fine. But we're just glad you're okay. Genuinely, we're glad you're okay. Oh, because I mean, that could have gone a, a very different way. And Yeah, essentially, yeah. it just cost me a bunch of money. Um, well, I was, uh, I mean, silver lining is I didn't get stabbed, which is always nice. That is a really good thing. Um, had I gone down the alleyway down where uh, the, the, 
you know, my robbers went, I probably would have been stabbed. So uh, yeah, I somebody, chose not to go down there. You, didn't they? They said don't go down there. Yeah, that some tuk-tuk driver who was like an American Cambodian dude, and he um he said like, nah, dude, just don't. It's not worth it. Like you'll get stabbed or whatever. So and he he was really good. He took me to the police station and got me a re- police report, all in um Khmer, which is a Cambodian language, and I had no idea what my police report actually says. Um, but uh, it got me. It did eventually get me home. <laughs> so when I heard you were going to chase robbers and that you were stuck in Cambodia, I kind of pictured you like Rambo, you know, in the in the little village, just long, locky hair there and just pit-fighting his way to get out of Cambodia. <laughs> no, man, I'm a lover, not a fighter. I can't, I can't do that shit. But... Yeah, exactly. Rubes, Rubes, will, Rubes will teach you. But yeah, it's good that you're back. Now... And, and like I said, you know, man... Um, Jello Biafra wrote a song just for you about a holiday in Cambodia. <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> you know what? So it's in like 1978. In, so, so in Phnom Penh, I was staying like it was a mistake, but I was staying at a three dollar a night, uh, three dollar a night place. Oh, um, because I'm like, oh, I'll save some money or whatever. I should have just paid the five bucks a night so for, <laughs> for, for, some, for somewhere else. Because it was like the do- the dodgiest, dodgiest place in the in the world. Um, I woke up at five a.m. and uh, you know, like as a sixteen person dorm or whatever and some dude's like overdosing on the ground just having a full-on seizure frothing at the mouth i thought he was dead he just stopped and then three dudes uh three little cambodian dudes come up um on like the fifth floor or whatever look just at him started and just, harvesting his yeah. kidneys right there on the floor <laughs> well, like who King knows? street on a saturday night yeah, yeah well yeah well but they just like they Fitzroy. just yeah. they just picked him up and left and it was like 5 a.m what are they gonna do take him to the hospital i thought the dude was dead i actually saw him the next day um but i, I but and he was fine these two scars he was a french back. dude he was a french dude as well um, but he, uh, yeah. So what they ca- with you and the French? No, I don't know. But they, they look. They carried him off, and I went back to sl- like, and, you know, like I rolled back over. I'm like, what? Well, I just watched it someone die. Like Do I go back to sleep now? Redemption or something? Like, it's just <laughs> terrifying. It was, it was, uh, yeah, not, not the funnest. The first day experience. I saw Lockie Mulcahy. <laughs> But, uh, you know, look, silver lining to it. Silver lining was uh, because I went to Cambodia, the, the, the whole point was like I, I wasn't really, you know, I was in between jobs and I just decided, oh, well, I'll go to Cambodia and um, just, you know, delay the inevitable, forget See, that I'm my, unemployed. My experience when, when I've been unemployed rather than between jobs, I was like, can I afford to have a t- uh, 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 exotic food experience of me goreng yeah. from the, <laughs> well, the corner like, shop. I wasn't going to mm-hmm. on, on yeah, holiday. Like, $2 a night. Like he's spending, yeah, he's, yeah, that's he's, right. he's living large at $2 a well, night. Well, luckily I had some savings. It's all gone now because I was fucked over quite a bit. Because it's down um, an alleyway <laughs> in Cambodia. <laughs> Cambodia. <laughs> Correct. Uh, no, but while I've been looking for work since I've been back, I've had a lot of time for hobby. Oh my God, so much time. So I mean, apart, apart from, on, yeah, okay, go on. Your shit's looking really good. Thanks, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. So my from my French, I've been, I've had um, what four games now since I've been back. Uh, using the op bear pack. Uh, so I mean, we'll get to all the op bear stuff uh, soon. But I mean, shit. I, so I've played four games of bold action. I've been playing a bunch of X Wing. I've been painting Lord of the Rings. I had a game of Lord of the Rings. I've been podcasting for Age of Sigma. This weekend, I'm going up to to Aubrey playing Age of Sigma. And oh my god, I love the hobby. Wargaming is life. <laughs> if only you could figure out a way to make a living out of it. Uh, I'm going to be on the street soon, but wargaming <laughs> war is life. <laughs> Roots will walk past you and you'll be like smacking your arm like, oh, I'll debase myself for some minis, man. Oh, it's- well, we, we, we could do like that, that dude in Sri Lanka mm. has done and train a bunch of guys mm. to paint and uh, they'll work for a dollar or two a day. Really? 
Yeah, man, Fernando Enterprises in Sri Lanka um, is a big, big commission thing. Uh, they 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 do a lot of uh, fifteen mil and seven and eight, like tiny scale stuff, but they operate out of Colombo, I think. And the the guy that runs it has just taught a bunch of people that he's found over there how to paint, and he does the quality control checking and and all of that. Um, and by all accounts, it's a very good service so we should go to cambodia and do painting lessons to orphans i don't think that Lockie wants to go back i'm never going back to cambodia um never although i did love the islands i was able to um hang out there camp pot if you ever go there was beautiful the photos you were sending back look great i was Mm. very very jealous you were sending photos from a beach you were like Mm. sucking on beers at sunset you were surrounded by pretty girls it was it looked really nice it was a lot of fun um uh so i mean that was good but yeah overall uh not the best experience (laughs) you're back you're fine. Backy back. There you go. Jay, what have you been doing, mate? Oh, man. Well, unfortunately, you're, you're going to have to uh, hear a catalogue of my old man aches and pains. Oh, yeah, um, right. Yeah, uh, I, I fucked up my my neck rather than my back, I guess. But um, So I've been really trying to stay away from um, spending a lot of time hunched over my painting. Um, yeah, I, I'm one of those people. I'll, I'll get into it and I'll lose completely lose track of time and not do that. OHNS stuff about stretching properly and getting up and walking around. Uh, so I, I haven't really been able to pick up a paintbrush for about a month now. Um, I've done some work on uh, my Dark Ages stuff, which has amounted really just to putting decals on flags shields and flags. flags. on like, was it Teutonic Knights? Teutonic Knights, yeah. yeah. Um, but beyond that, I've been like, look, if I if I aggravate this any more than it already is, I'm not going to be able to type at work. Um, I'll I'll just be in a lot of trouble. What about all the headbanging you've been doing? You've been playing a few shows, haven't you? Well, that's that's the other reason why I haven't had a lot of uh, hobby time. So we've uh, we've been playing a fair bit, and we're um, just about to go into the studio to record the new album. Um, we're organising our European tour for September. You're going to go to Europe and scream at people. Yeah, man. Well, you've seen that movie uh, Hostel, yeah. I have. I have. Yeah, yeah. We're we're planning to stay there. Uh, uh, <laughs> wow. I've seen it too in real life. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm close to personal. Still got oh all my, your toes. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am missing a couple. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I won't miss them though. Nah. I'm fine. Nah, so yeah, nah, so I haven't been doing too oh, much. Oh, it's 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 so frustrating, man. I'm looking at this uh, whole lot of unassembled stuff none of none of which really is bolt action but um a whole lot of unassembled miniatures well assembled but unpainted miniatures and going shit i really wish i could work on this but i'm just steering clear of it for the time being until this settles down mm-hmm. no, that's awesome happens to the best of us man uh, oh yeah i mean it's it's a it's a you know if you're a young fella you might hear this and go no 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 that's that's it bullshit won't happen to me it will happen to you oh yeah um, so the thing about good lighting, a, a desk that's at the right level, um, and remembering to do your stretches, man. Well, generally, if you um, if you get the production line going with the squads and stuff, you say, "All right, I'm going to do, hey, I'm going to, you know, like do uniform colours on these eight guys and take a break, yeah. and then I'm going to do webbing on these eight guys and then take a break." It's just, yeah, I, I can't do it anymore. I can't sit there and just churn through model after model after model. I just, I get cramp up, and it's just you get sore and shitty, and it's just no good. Well, I think some of, some of that came from you know before this happened, I'd I'd really been churning it out. Um, I'd you've been gone, doing a lot nuts. of stuff. Um, 
you know, and some of that was because I I had some deadlines uh, with it for commission work that I was doing for sure. people. Um, so I think moving forward, this is going to be part of the the skill to develop is how to do this in a way that's sustainable uh, without mm. without incurring this. And because I, I work a desk job, you know, I'm staring at Excel all day. Um, it really r- racks up and it can cause a lot of problems with yeah, your back. Absolutely. Get a standing desk. Yeah. Rubes. I should have had you uh, build my spreadsheets for tracking all my forces. Yeah, word. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. We could we could do something about that. Yeah. All right. So, um, yeah, me. Uh, so, I... I no one since, asked you. Nobody asked. No, nobody ever asked me. <laughs> so since the last uh, cast, uh, my LIDG has taken a serious step forward. Um, I They're wrote, looking sweet too. Thanks, man. Uh, I've basically written a list. Hang on. They look sweet. In the dead pile. Oh, oh my drop by Lucky Edge. <laughs> From Mother the top rope. Fuck, I tell you what. Three games I've played against them. Two of them were against Lucky and I cannot beat you. You mother... Oh. Go on, go yeah, on. No, <laughs> I just couldn't let that slide. I couldn't, I couldn't let that no, slide. No, go fine, on. It's, fine, it's, fine. it's um, looking beautiful, man. Thanks, man. So basically, I've got two Warlord uh, Chev trucks. I've got the Chev A and the Chev B. They're painted up. Uh, I've got a Rubicon uh, Willie's Jeep done up for uh, LIDG, which are uh, Rubicon, fantastic. And the, the Warlord uh, Chev trucks are really nice as well. Isn't Rubicon bringing out some more... Trucks, I think. Yeah, they've got Chev, they've got LIDG Chev trucks coming out. Um, I think they're not in the wave that's coming out right now. They're in the next wave. Mm. Um, There's some I'm good really, stuff coming out from Rubicon. Oh, oh man, those the, Panzer Fours. Oh, I'm looking at that. And, going, and the yeah. charts they've put out that shows all the different models. Yeah, and, isn't and that what's sweet. coming out? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. I've been talking to Edwin, and um, I'll have a list. I'll bring up a list. I've got it on my phone. I'll bring it up a bit later of all the stuff that's currently being released, but. They just continue to impress the shit out of me. Oh, leaps um, and bounds. Just my, my my one criticism is is that with the willies, um, the he, he said willies. He said willies. Uh, the crew that in, that get included in the willies are not the greatest. That's one thing I've, I've noticed. I've never liked any of their crew figures. Yeah. Um, they're that's, getting better. That's the one thing I've noticed is their um, crews and and men. They're or, tiny. They're yeah, they just like they're smaller than Perry's. That's that's what lets them down. I think yeah. the, the actual vehicles well, themselves they're, are, are they're amazing. Just not expressive faces yeah. at all. It's like yep. you no. remember the Autons from Doctor Who, the show, <laughs> yes. showroom dummies. But having said that, I mean, from the get go, they've been a, a vehicle company that's designed vehicle yeah. kits. So. I'm not expecting the world's best crew members to come from well, a company the, initially. That here's the pain in the ass, Rubes, is that generally, like with Rubicon vehicles, what I've always done is I've always taken crew members from other companies, i.e., uh, Dawaffenkammer, Warlord, mm. any of those sorts of uh, companies, and then I put the crew model into the Rubicon truck. No worries at all. And the really nice thing is that uh, the Rubicon bodies, you can actually just pop a Warlord head on them. Yeah. Happy days. Yeah. The LRDG, you can't do that because the head and the body are all one piece. Gotcha. So yeah. like, there's no way, for, unless I actually got a Dremel out and started Dremeling off that, which I really, who the hell can be fucking yeah. that? Yeah, you but can't do it. With um, Just a little jeweler's saw. Man, yeah, I don't want to do that. that. I, it's, seriously, I'll show you the way they're constructed later. It would literally, because the headdress, like the head wrap, 
goes halfway down there. Ah, uh, ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay, yeah. I got so you. you. Okay, yeah, yeah, you would have to re-sculpt the entire back of the model, and I, I just don't no. want to do that. With no, no. Uh, with their new sort of the crude weapons and that that they're doing in the command releases, yeah. I think that will probably go a long way with their experience for sculpting. Well, um, I know that they've for that, a, which I've seen some I've seen some uh, images on the Rubicon models Facebook page, and they do actually do an entire range of plastic uh, Americans on a tank. I saw that recently, and they look amazing. Yeah, the, that diorama that dude's building out of that looks sick. Fucking amazing. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a fairly recent thing for them too. Is those yeah. infantry models, the crude weapons, the officers and command. I think there's a few like I think they've done like Zukov and a few other sort of personalities yeah. as well, which uh, hopefully will go a long way towards uh, improving their their crew figures. Oh, word. And the, so, the other thing I really like about what they're working on at the moment is the expansions to the base kits. That's yeah. a really I, clever way yeah. to, I've to do I've actually got that. the, and I, I, quite, I got it quite by accident. I got the, um, the mortar for the US half track, the M3. And I actually yep. bought, I can't remember if I bought the half track first or the mortar first, but either way, I've got them both now and I'm just, they're sitting on my desk ready to go when I get into the American phase of you know, interest of uh, getting something popped out for my Americans. Word. So. That'd be fantastic. Um, so this is from uh, Edwin. This is the guy who runs uh, Rubicon. They've got the two centimeter flak building. I'm just chopping to the bit for that. Yeah, they've got the three point seven flak forty three. Uh, the Chevy uh, thirty CWT. That's the one that I want. Uh, Panzer four AUSF DE. They got F F two G Whirlwind J yeah. Black Panzer. An industrial wall set. The Neville Werfer with crew. Uh, sneaky cheese. I think it's the Shearwares. Wurf Garat. Uh, it's a 28 slash 32 centimeter with crew. That's some sort of gun. Uh, German in smock with a STG 44 patrolling and a US Marine patrolling. I, I kind of um, imagine like one of the adverts for, for like say the Panzer fours that are coming out, like yeah. that scene in um, from Dust Till Dawn with the guy standing on the yep. front of the uh, the oh, bar. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we got Panzer Mark fours. We got A's. We got B's. We got C's. We got we F1s got and F2s. <laughs> we got grey Panzers, <laughs> yellow we got, Panzers. We yeah. got Jungle Girl Panzers. <laughs> I could just imagine that. Apple pie panzers <laughs> so yes yeah. that's m10 there we exactly go apple right. yeah. pie panzers <laughs> so essentially um yeah i've spent uh, a fair while putting those together patch did a really good um article on uh, painting up desert vehicles which i followed so my two trucks are looking quite good my jeep's looking really good uh and then hari turner and i did a bit of uh swapsy swapsies and i got my hands on the new british and commonwealth um desert box what what we have to do for the vehicles is man we've that's just crying out it needs the pigment uh dust effect yes. on that yeah, that well, would I be do it on the sick wheels, definitely yeah the wheels. yeah um so i got the new box of um british desert uh warlord are taking the piss again was I that believe. the eighth army or the commonwealth infantry commonwealth. box so that comes with lrdg heads kiwi heads aussies and yeah yeah so I think Warlord are taking the piss. Um, the instruction manual has got six different spelling fucking mistakes on it. It's how hard is it? It's one sheet of paper, and literally some of the spelling mistakes are just what the shit. I mean, you can you can jump on Mechanical Turk or Airtasker or any of those yeah. things. Then it's fucking Locky, you could I'll, you could I'll proofread that. Exactly right. Yeah, I've got Lockie. a lot of spare time. I'll, yeah, I'll proofread it for yeah, you, Warlord. Warlord, Warlord, if you're listening, Lockie will, will Lockie will work for proofreading. There you go. I mean, yeah. we, we were talking about this this uh, just before before we started rolling. Um, you know, 
proofreading and technical writing is something that you know I, I used to do for um, software web hosting stuff. It's really important and it drives me up the fucking wall when um, you see the instruction sheet and go, come on, who does who thought this who was something? Who let that slide through the keeper? It's, it's embarrassing. Like one, one small spelling mistake, oh look, okay, fair enough, it's six. But it's not just That's spelling mistakes. It's about how to draw a diagram that explains visually what yeah, you're what doing you're um the, you know how many times do you come away from a warlord kit and go i'm left with these weird gubbins and where is it supposed to go what yep. actually even is this you know you compare it to the quality that you see in like a tamiya or a dragon um rubicon. rubicon kit but you know for for those um plastic kits that have two thousand parts oh my God, yeah. like the meng tigers with full interior and shit and like this can be done, just up the game a little bit there, fellas. Yeah, it just seems like it doesn't really give a shit. But whatever, I mean, look, the actual box itself, uh, the soldiers look great. My one criticism is um, I had to go and raid or heavily raid my um, German... Uh, Your arm. Yeah, my, my grenadiers. <laughs> I had to raid my grenadiers and um, I think it was just the grenadiers. Uh, there's not enough um, arm options and there's only not enough two... enough arm, arm options. Seriously, are we, are you, why aren't you a dad yet? <laughs> just dad joke, dad joke, dad joke. So yeah, that was my only criticism with that was that yeah, I mean spelling mistakes on the uh, on the on the the instruction sheet, or, yeah, whatever. Uh, but yeah, the lack of SMG arms, like you can only run, you can only t- you build two SMG uh, troops per sprue, um, and it's sort of yeah, if you're going to run something like LRDG, which is what I'm running, then you kind of want to have a few more SMGs. So. But I mean, like I said, I, I, I raided my uh, Grenadier box and got a few out of there and did this and did that. and yeah. This is the nice. trade-off that we've got from the original design philosophy where the weapons were all separate from the arms. Yeah. But look at what a horror show trying to assemble the, the Russians or the British yeah, box I mean, set and get that all to fit. So the, making them with the intrinsic arms, yeah, is um, from a design point of view makes a lot of sense. But I've seen this coming from the um, chain of command people as well, where the squad's uh, squad organization is different. Um, going, oh, I bought the Warlord kit, but yeah, it, doesn't, it doesn't make sense for the way that a squad is structured in yeah, but, I mean, it's, yeah, COC. Just, I, mean, you, I mean, look at the stuff that Warlords sell is not necessarily strictly for bolt action. I mean, the Brone Crater, how many people do you know that have um, fielded the Brone Crater? Yeah, that's a model they make. It's uh, it's one of those things. It's like not everything they make is for this particular game. But look, I mean, it was fun to put together. They're pretty characterful. Uh, and I've currently got um, like 20 guys painted up plus uh, like a light mortar, an ATR and an officer. And I'm, uh, did you did you spray prime them in the in, in a kind of like nah. bone or tan color or something nah, so before I, you, you started? I, I assembled them, primed them in white, which is what I normally do, and then did um, desert yellow for the uniform. Uh, yeah, Iraqi, Iraqi sand. No, no Iraqi sand. There's no? no Iraqi sand in there. So it, was, okay. it goes desert yellow, tan yellow, and then bone. Yeah. Okay. There is another level of highlights in there, but I didn't have the color, and um, I think they look all right without that additional yeah. level. So, man, how good is Iraqi sand? That is like it's the the go to highlight for sure. color for everything. I, well, I dry brush all of my vehicles with Iraqi sand really? before it okay. before the oil paints go on. Yeah. So it's, it's funny, just I, I, everywhere. it's normally my go-to color, yet I haven't touched it once during this whole army. 
Um, I have a feeling that when I get into doing uh, the display tray, which is I'm putting a lot of work into that, and mm. when I really start working on with the larger infantry, then yeah, I'll start doing that. But um, yeah, it's a, it's a damn good color, but I haven't had any chance to use it in doing this particular army. Mm-hmm. But it's nearly done. I've just got to base the vehicles and then um, chuck my the mortar and the ATR on a base, which will they both get scenic bases. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally, I wouldn't put like the, you know, small man teams like that on you know a forty mil base. I'd sort of bring them back a bit. But oh, sorry, fifty. I don't know. Uh, it'd be a, like the the size of the base that I'll be using for those two is about the same size I would normally use for like a medium mortar. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm doing that because I don't really have much opportunity to kind of provide any sort of diorama base with this particular force. So I've got to sort of take what I can get. That's awesome, man. It's looking really good. And Thank which you. is actually a nice segue, considering we're about to Go talk about some uh, op bear lists. Op bear! So what, what, what's in your list? Uh, six, okay. six, seven points, four six, by four tables. Six hundred and, is a 667 points, uh, which is the points value that mm. we're working with. It's, it's an interesting one. Um, it was community voted, I believe. Um, I think... Anthony Perkins, maybe he's one of the Geelong players. He kind of put up that he wanted to do that way. Nick Beattie jumped on board and then all of a sudden 667 was a thing. And uh, yeah, so at that stage, we were kind of onto it. Mm -hmm. Um, I knew that I was going to run LIDG. Um, The Russians have been retired. I never want to play them ever again. (laughs) Somebody please, somebody please buy my Russians. Um, And yeah, essentially, uh, I've taken a regular lieutenant. I've taken four five-man squads of SAS um, and they've all generally got three submachine guns and a couple of rifles. Uh, there's a light mortar, a regular a regular um, ATR. There's a regular SAS murder wagon, which is the Jeep, the recce Jeep with a forward-facing heavy machine gun, forward-facing light machine gun and two rear-facing light machine guns. And then there oh, was... Oh, I a- really needed to bring my Japs to this to just bayonet that one... Yeah, just bayonet. Just like a, yep. Hari is yep. experienced. Hari, Hari is, I've got a, he's got a hate boner for the uh, murder wagon. And then there's just two regular trucks with pintles. So it's a themed list in that um, it's a long-range uh, SAS strike force that's being ferried around by the LADG. All the infantry, except for the officer, can fit inside the trucks, and then it's escorted by the jeep. And then the, so how did, how did the officer get all the way into... He didn't. He stays back. No, but in the sense that shouldn't everyone have have a transport or fit into the transport? Yeah, I thought they all fit. I thought it was a rule. No, the officer is the only person who doesn't fit, but I can justify that by saying, well, the officer doesn't really go along. The officer stays back at HQ. Um, yeah, it's. I would love. Oh for, boy. I, I, would, yeah, I would love for everybody to be able to fit in there, but I'm. Yeah, I'm one transport slot too shy for it. Mm. Um, but yeah, basically, it's. I've not ever really sort of done themed lists before. The closest I ever came was when I did Brad's Tank Wars event a couple of years ago that you and I went to, mm. and I won the theme for that for my um, light armored recon. Was that all those Hellcats that shot me up that yeah, day? Hellcats yeah, motherfucker. That was, <laughs> that was harsh. Hey, dude, you were the one who put a. What is it? You put your forward observer. Like, seriously, it was like 10 inches off my board edge. Oh, I, ran, I can't I ran two remember. greyhounds at it and just lifted. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I was very, very green in the game <laughs> in those days. That was good. That was a good game between you and I, actually. Yeah, that, that was, was that we was really fun. Knew each other. Yeah, yeah, good. it's fun. Um, so yeah, this is um, this is it's like I said, it's a very themed list. Uh, I'm not taking like I'm staying away from snipers and flamethrowers and mortars. Like I'm taking a light mortar and an ATR. So the two. Like, so it's, very, it's all very mobile stuff. It's yeah. very mobile. Everything's very mobile. Very hitty. Um, I think the SAS are massively overcosted for what they do. So they're basically 18 points a model. So you get one man with a rifle, 
All tough um, fighter, all tough as well, boots, got pistols. all fanatics. Well, the toughest boots is the um, is the yeah. uh, national rule that I've taken. Mm-hmm. Uh, I would take rapid fire if I have more models, but I don't. Um, so everyone's got sub. Like I'm paying for submachine guns when you know you could probably get away with not paying for them because you're still mm-hmm. getting that tough fighter rule. Sure. But I've paid for the submachine guns, you know, just simply to give them a little bit more theme. Um, and this is kind of um, it. The pain in the ass is what I would really love to do is be able to run a list where I run like. And I'm not saying this to be a smart ass or anything, but I'd love to run like four or five different uh, murder wagons and then run the squads across the murder wagons and then do... Um, uh, Garrett and I were talking about this a while ago and there was an operation the LRDG participated in called the... Uh, it was the Bass Raid. They basically went and attacked this airfield. They drove from one end of the airfield to the next. They one end to the other, shooting up all these German planes or Italian planes. Uh, German planes. They, German they planes pretty much drove up one one side where the planes parked on the left, shot all those up and then doubled back and came back and shot all the ones on the other side. So they ran out of ammunition towards the end and what they did is they actually pulled up in these Jeeps and by then the Italians were onto them. The guys in the Jeeps turned around and all they had left was flare guns. They held off the Italians with flare guns while these other guys ran inside the planes and kicked the shit out of the... Uh, the instruments they were pulling the instruments and all the cockpit apart with their yeah. bare hands I thought you, thought you were going to say started firing the machine guns <laughs> in the planes oh, cool. <laughs> yeah. but yeah it was basically just about it uh, yeah and absolute they, bad arsery yeah and they got away scot-free yeah, yeah I don't, don't think they, yeah, don't, no don't casualties casualty. yeah it was amazing yeah. but the bass raid was a really big deal but I would love to be able to do that in this but this is the closest I can kind of do to the bass raid um, and yeah I've just literally chucked in um, the mortar and the ATR just to, just literally so I have some way of dealing with uh, armoured vehicles um, um, it, I think at this event we're going to see a lot of soft skins and a lot of uh, open topped so light mortar and ATR will, I think will come in handy and mm. I've also got a heavy machine gun on the murder wagons. So. well I've already seen how your mortars do against open topped they do alright they do okay so we'll see what happens I think it's a good list. Um, it's definitely very themey. Um, it's got some weaknesses, but I think if played right, it can uh, be quite yeah. scary. The SAS, like if you give them a submachine gun, the 20 points a model. And for 20 points, you're getting a guy who can come on from reserve with no, uh, with no, you know, with no negative. Um, he is a fanatic. Um, and there was some other special rule, but it doesn't really come into play that much. Yeah. I, I think Fanatics are really good. Obviously, they're only five-man squad, so they're not quite um, no, utilizing as good. But I think like, I think they're still fine. I think you just got to be careful of them. And we I all, know, what, like, what, we, we I know. think they are su- surprisingly survivable. I mean, mm. when, when we played uh, earlier this afternoon, um, you know, I could certainly kill three out of five, mm. but once it gets down to small squad level getting getting those last two guys off and therefore taking that dice out of the bag mm-hmm. was very difficult oh for sure and if i mean like they're at the end of the day they're still veterans um so yeah. and you're probably going to have to kill them all um uh but i mean like just in terms of like utilizing fanatic uh to, to the best of its ability like obviously like you'd, you'd like you would like a few more dudes if they um, were five if, if i have four eight man squads yeah this would be a genuinely terrifying list yeah um but i'm i'm restricted by the number you know by the points value it's a very mm. it's a very strange points value i've listed for 750 before 750 isn't like i mean that if i had 750 points to play with well there's you know my four eight-man squads and that would be a decent list well we, we get on to the the and we'll, we'll kind of go through this i think uh, in a little bit but the scalability of of armies is really yeah. an interesting How question yeah because I, I found that very hard to scale um veteran germans to to work with the support options you you almost yeah. have to go one or the other you you 
at, at a low points cost, it's very, very hard to get the synergies that you need between the units and get them all working together because, um, you know, it doesn't take much to just kick the shit out of a squad to the point where there's only a couple of them left and they're failing their order checks. Yeah, absolutely. And look, I'll, I'll, I'll just say this, like, uh, like it's great that Brad's um, tried to do something different. I mean, like we've all, I reckon we've all had a lot of fun as well, like uh, trying to do these six, six, seven point lists, like you trying to I, do some. You and I have played two games. We have, and you yeah. Beat me both, both times. So yeah. What's in your list, Lockie? Ooh, well. <laughs> no, so, <laughs> yeah. so, no, so look, I've got a um, just a, a lieutenant, um, no regular, uh, no extra dudes. I've got uh, two units of seven. Uh, foreign legion dudes so they they've all just got rifles they're all stubborn um i've got a unit of eight regular they're also, guys they're also veteran yeah yeah yeah, yeah. foreign, foreign yeah. legion of veteran yeah, yeah just um, in case someone doesn't yeah, know okay, okay. i didn't know oh okay until you threw them at me and yeah like, oh, 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 <laughs> yeah right. no you can only take um foreign legion as veteran um yep. now nah, so i've got a unit of eight regular dudes so they're just um my 11 infantry kind of guys they look beautiful um, thanks, man. Um, I've got a unit of eight veteran cavalry guys, which are like the Spahi dudes. There's the cheese. Uh oh, no, there. Hang on, we'll get there. We'll yeah, get there. I haven't said that. I, we'll I, get I there. Especially with the spot color of the way you've done them with the blue, just makes them pop. I yeah, just, I love that cavalry. I was watching them this afternoon, and I'm looking at those going, I want some fucking cavalry. I got to really get stuck into doing no, some you don't. cavalry. I mean, we've we have, we have, we've kind of um. That's kind of been a theme with spotty horse with boys inbound. Stuff. Yeah, like a lot, a lot of people really like seeing uh, cavalry on the table just because like they they contrast against the infantry a lot and like different levels. So you've got three levels. So you've got the infantry, you've got the cavalry, then you've got the vehicle. So it's kind of like like a. Um, I mean, that just looks, yeah, tiered. And looks, <laughs> well, it does, and it looks visually appealing on the table. Um, but I'll just finish off the rest of my list. So I've just got a, um, a light howitzer. I've got a, a an anti-tank rifle. I've got a, so it's a Citroen. Uh, Citroen. Citroen, whatever it is, Porty. So it's just like... Um, like a Renault. But, uh, <laughs> it's not a Renault. A it's, it's a Citroen. <laughs> um, no, it's basically just a soft skin with a light, uh, forward-facing light... Uh, Light anti-tank gun, which yep. is 70 points. Um, and I reckon I've shot it 12 times and hit once. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and it dies horribly every time. Um, and then rounding out the list is a Lafley uh, six-wheel truck with two machine guns on it. And generally, you keep the officer inside the machine, inside the truck to get the two machine guns going. Yeah, absolutely. So, so that, that's 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 his job. Uh, the lieutenant just sits there, and um, I mean, like, so it becomes, the thing is, like, it, it's it's good because you got two MMGs, obviously, um, but uh, it's got, got two dice, which is nice as well. Um, uh, the downside is if the truck goes down, the lieutenant's probably going to die, um, and it's the like the. Uh, the truck's not cheap at 65 points you know yeah so. it's, it's not yeah once you throw those uh, extra MMGs on there it does get a bit pricey yeah yeah so, so you got those models from uh, Mad Bob yep I yeah, sure did they look really good yeah yeah so my, my army is basically Mad Bob and Artisan um, uh, like all the infantry and the cavalry are Artisan um, all the Foreign Legion and the this uh, whatever they are the Levantine infantry guys um, but yeah, so I played what four games in the last few weeks, and um, and that's that's really a testament to how much I've been enjoying playing this this points level as well because like it's on the four by four boards, yeah, it's you know different. it's it's just different and it's forced you know people to reevaluate like a lot of tactics. We've been trying out different uh, scenarios for it because I know that Brad hasn't released what scenarios we'll be using, but just um, I'm just really experimenting with that. But um, so you and I have played a couple of games, Tristan. 
Yeah. We played a game. I got sick, I think, last week. I had pretty much the whole week off, so I got to sort of, you know, put some pain in my models. Uh, and then my wife went away over Easter, so I was kind of left alone in the house for a couple of days. I spent some time with Warrigal fucking around on an excavator. Uh, another shout out to Chris Vorback. You know, we might as well make that two, two uh, podcasts in a row. Um, but yeah, I then spent a bit of time literally just in my hobby cave painting my shit up and then we actually got the chance to have a game and put figures on the table, which is always nice because we never get a chance to do that. Um, and yeah, you proceeded to spank the shit out of me on a nice desert table. Um, yeah, so I think uh, what ended up happening, so yeah, what, what one side of the table, like uh, being four by four, it's very close, um, it is. very quickly. You don't really have but, room to maneuver. No, and well, one, one side of the board was very heavily built up um, yeah. with a lo- lot of buildings, and then the other side was a lot more open, but had a lot of, uh, you know, wall sections Pretty, and stuff yeah. to um, kind of, you, you can go forward a bit. But I think uh, you were a little bit aggressive and pr- maybe didn't quite, um, you know, uh, you're a very aggressive player. Yeah, would. Um, always very aggressive, and turns out you've got to be a bit more careful with those five man units. Yeah, it's. Um, it's they I'm, just. I'm used to being able to like just push, you mm. know, large paratrooper units or large veteran units up the mm. board and kind of just watching them do what they're supposed to do. Then they get backed up by like say a mortar and a howitzer mm-hmm. and a tank and this and, and all of a sudden it's like I know kind of how that's going to work and I know roughly how it should unfold and you know the dice you know they might fuck me they might look after me but I roughly know how that's going to work. This is completely different. All three of my vehicles are soft skin. Mm-hmm. Um, my in my support options are not designed. They can't really do. They can't inflict massive damage. Like say, like like a good medium mortar on a tightly clustered mm-hmm. infantry squad. That's gravy. Everyone loves that. But all of a sudden, a light mortar. Uh, it's not bad, but it's not great. And then mm-hmm. an ATR. I mean, that's you got to get that kind of up and happening, and you got to be very. I mean, you can, you don't shoot veterans with an ATR. It's just pointless. You know, you're gonna kill one guy. Whoops. No, I think that's what you want to be shooting, veterans, to be honest. No, I want to be shooting vehicles. Yeah. but if I you... want to be shooting vehicles with an ATR. That's yeah. what I want to be shooting with that. Mm-hmm. And yeah, if it runs out of things to shoot, then I'm going to be looking for... I mean, yeah, veterans, it's not bad, but mm. it's not... If you I can't mean... shoot a vehicle, you want to be shooting veterans, yeah, right? Yeah, fair enough. Because you're winning them on threes. Yeah, um, true, true. Right, true. like that. And putting pins out, like... Uh, ATRs are hard to use well I think yeah and I have had to get the most use out of them with them as well mm. like I'm, I'm sort of really sort of coming around on that now but um, yeah light mortars I've got a lot to say for light mortars I think that's been that's been a lot of fun using a light mortar I think they're okay Obvi- they I mean okay. and I think it, like there's no debate medium mortars are just better but I think light mortars I like being able to move and shoot I, yeah, I was about to say yeah it's just it's it's fle- tactically flexible because it you is. can just move and shoot and what what ends up happening is you move and shoot um, roll you know go for the six and then next turn you don't have to move you like you don't move next turn you go for a five right so it, 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 the, the other thing really about nice. them too is that um, it mitigates that mortar duel thing that is very easy yeah. to happen the same way that you get the sniper duel you know that both mortars are trying to um, zero in on, on each other but they don't want to move when they're mediums because then that's a whole nother turn to to reset and then you you know anything that you've been shooting out you're not zeroed in on anymore and so you have for me having played japanese the grenadier squads can run three knee mortars so three light mortars in a squad i mean you can just run forward i mean it's pricey I ran that in that six dice list um, for my late, uh, naval landing force. No, I think that's very good. I, I think I mean, well, for for those of us um, listening and and myself, I guess um, I've never run a light mortar in any list that I've done. G- Germans phased them out by forty one or two. It wasn't a big thing. Um, what's what's a light mortar cost oh, inside it's a squad? Very cheap, like thirty five points or something for regular. Okay. 
something, something so like that. So on the on the par with the ATR. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. No, like I mean, the, the problem is, is obviously that it competes for the same slot as a medium order, which is like one of the most efficient units. Unless in the you're game. playing That's a theater the list, oh, of course, yeah. That mm-hmm. either allows you to put them inside the squad, mm-hmm. um, or alternately run multiples of them. Yep. Um, and yeah, as, as Rubes is, um, as you said, mate, like uh, in in those Japanese squads, they're really good because they're not taking up that that mortar slot, right? Like you know, uh, but yeah. So yeah, light mortar here, thirty-five points. Uh, boys anti-tank rifle, thirty points. Um, my three SAS infantry squads. The cheapest one is ninety-two points. Most expensive one, ninety-six points. SAS cheap is sixty points. And my two trucks are fifty-four points each. Mm. So, the SAS cheap um, is really good. Look, I think um, for your list as well. Like, I think that tr- like you're probably paying too many points for the trucks. I know, but I know it's the theme, right? Yeah, it's a theme. The, pro- the problem is, is like. At this point, like at a thousand points, it's less of an issue because points aren't as tight. But at yeah. this points level, it's like you're probably just better off having more the, bodies. The flip side of that, though, is I mean, from a list point of view, you're you're entirely right. From an army presentation view, um, they are such a beautiful centerpiece to that army, and they, you know, it's like Lebowski's rug. It really ties it all together. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing. It's just like it's it's not about army efficiency for me at this stage. It's about what I, I mean, I enjoyed painting them. I really did. They were, mm-hmm. and I can't speak highly enough of whoever sculpted those for Warlord because they are seriously beautiful models. Mm-hmm. Um, I am looking forward to seeing what Rubicon come up with. Um, my one issue is, and I here you go, I've got an issue with a Rubicon model before it's even come out, is that the Warlord stuff comes and it's packed full of fucking stowage. You guys have seen that. And I've even put yeah. more stowage on the outside of them. Um, I got all my stowage from Debris of War. They're a company in England. They're very, very good. Um, I like stowage because it gives a uh, it gives a, a vehicle a lot of character. Well, here's a question about stowage because this has been in, in is, my is mind. This the same question you brought up on Facebook a while back. Yeah, Where magic straps. Yeah. Where does it hang off? Like to, you I mean, can't just glue this shit on the side of soft your skin, soft skin vehicles. It was quite easy because you could literally just either just screw, weld a little hook well, on, weld a hook, screw a hook, or literally just tie your tie it onto the boards on the side. Tanks. A lot of the time, they um, welded small hooks or small. Um, what are they? Like little eyelets and shit like that. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of the time they did this sort of stuff. Or they had uh, ropes that were um, attached to various parts mm-hmm. of the vehicle they would then use to hang stowage off of. So it did happen. There were certain um, certain nations that were really, really into it. Um, the Americans especially loved to sort of hang Yeah. Have, have you seen have you seen the um, uh, value gear stuff? It's the what? Um company called Value Gear. Um, you can get it from uh, BNA Model World in Australia. Um, it's scaled for 148, but these yes, stowage kits are fucking great. It's like black the whole. Dog. Is it Black Dog Stowage? No, it's uh, called Value Gear, but they they do like almost like a whole as a one piece, the whole back tray of a Stug or the whole back I've tray got, of a Sherman or I've something. I've got it for a Cromwell. Yeah. Brian Brian gave it to me when I was up there a couple of years ago, and I've got I got an entire Cromwell turret that was covered in burlap camo. Um, but I've actually I've got the 148 Cromwell which I've put together and I actually started painting up for the desert so I'm like yeah I'll paint up a Cromwell for my desert force and I was speaking to Robin about it and Robin's like why would you do that and I said because it's going to look good and Cromwell in the desert he's like they didn't have Cromwells in the desert they were first rolled out you know they would. I don't even think they had them in uh, in Italy I was like, oh, I've already fucking half painted this fucking thing so now I've got to go back and repaint it it's, oh, it's like no, that well. thing about a tiger in yeah, Africa, t- yeah, the tiger no. <laughs> with Schutzen. No, um, oh so, boy, yeah, no. yeah no, uh, let's no, not go no, there. So, yeah. 
No, nah, so look, we've, we've interestingly played a couple of games now. We so are. we, I, I think like the first game was a uh, pretty like one sided. We both agree, but I think yeah. that the, so we played another game today, and I thought it was a lot, a lot closer. It was that came down to the last, uh, last turn, the really. last turn. I think I capitulated our first game. I capitulated turn four because I just said I can't win this from yeah. where we are. I think, I think, yeah, I think you threw away your infantry too too cheaply, and then it was yeah. just that was it, right? Yeah, I'm. You couldn't get to the objectives. Well, I was on the objectives, and I was just watching you chisel me off. Yeah, and you were very, very smart in how you kind of hemmed me in and pinned me in and all those stuff. I should have maybe been a little bit more conservative, but it's not. Yeah, it's something I'm learning to do. I'm learning to be a, a more conservative. Yeah, it's player a learning now. learning curve, and she, you're a lot you're a lot more conservative in our game today. Yeah, I was a um, little bit more. It so, didn't really, it still didn't help me. No, well, I think it could have. I think it was a lot more standoffy. Um, we've kind of both moved up. You you're very good in terms of like. Uh, you know, checking my cavalry. So the cavalry w- w- weren't a big influence. I mean, like they, they had ball control, but they didn't kill anything. Um, you like, you know, you basically uh, zoned them out, which is good. Well, I, um, found that, I found that what the, the thing that killed me was there were three assaults where I should have maybe, if not one, I should have literally just left you with like one or two models and I killed nothing. Yeah. Um, so like, it's a problem with assaults. They're just so dicey. Yeah. And it's like when you're going veteran into veteran, it's like, you know, you've got to, who you know rolling those fives, even with tough fighter. Like it's just, uh, it's yeah. so dice. I know you had fanatic, but again, they're smaller teams. You chat, particularly a couple of them were into cover, and it's like, I mean, yeah, you could have killed me, but it's like, you, that's I mean, that's how turn, assaults go, right? You get to turn five and turn six. You got you got to do something. You right? got to do something. You sure. have to make something work. If 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 you're say two dice down, well, I'm already losing. Yeah. So I can. It's not like I can lose any worse. So you sort of hope to sort of pull a bit of a miracle moment mm. out, and maybe you know something might work. But yeah, it depends if you want to go for the draw or you want to go for the for the win, like and risk taking the loss. You know what I mean? Like yeah, so, so, so you can play. You could probably play it a bit safer and go on for a draw, but obviously you want to win. <laughs> yeah, draws. I always feel a bit funny about draws. It's, sure, you sort of come out of it, and so it's like, well, we've just literally so, played an hour and a half, two hours for. For no result, yeah. Yeah, it's a no result. I would rather. Okay, no worries. I lost, but at least I lost trying trying to do something, trying to make something work. Um, playing for a draw, I think, is a bit of a... I don't know. I, I think that maybe some people use it as a tactic. Um, I feel I've had it used on me a couple of times where people will play for the draw. Well, if you're... No, yeah. If, you, if, you're, if, you're, if you're losing or, um, you know, like, you should be playing for the draw, obviously. Like, you should go for it. Can't do it. I, 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 look, logically, what you're telling me makes complete sense, but I, I, I know full well that any time I'm on the other side of the table... I'm either just going to go, well, I'm going to try and play for a win or I'm going to say, I can't win from this position. Yeah. I will capitulate. Sure. Right. Now, I, I, on, the, on that topic, I think we should really go back to playing secondary objectives because I, like I was, I was watching that game that you guys played this afternoon when that question was coming up and it, it struck me that, okay, if you're losing an engagement or you're, you're not meeting your objectives you don't just keep feeding more dudes into it and go oh yeah most of them will die but whatever you know the the strategically the saying is you reinforce success so we we don't have much of a mechanic about preserving your forces for another day or those kind of strategic considerations in the way that we play whereas i think uh, playing for secondaries um puts you more in that that mindset about getting a bonus for preserving your most expensive unit or eliminating uh, your enemy's officers or those those kind of things that um, we used to we used to run them in events much more than we've been doing for a long time now. 
So I have mixed feelings about um, secondary objectives because, yeah, like for sure everything you just said um, has a lot of merit. But the problem is, is when people start um, hiding those offices where you ba- you literally just can't get to them or like if you've yeah, got if, if you've if, if you've got a big them, tank. Not, not, yeah, but if you're hiding them, then you're not get, getting the benefit from them. I, I hate running offices. I do. You know full well. I would rather spend the fifty points on a fucking mortar or a sniper than have to sure. waste my money on a. But if I've but everyone's got to do it. Yeah. But, but I, I mean, mean, so so if you're if if you know like if it's if you're going for the win like in an event or whatever, and you're trying to um you know like you want to get you know accrue the ma- maximum points you can, and if your opponent's just hiding his lieutenant literally where you cannot get to him because like of terrain and all that stuff, it's like you're kind of just denying. Because, because I, I you're think, not playing. Um, it's very like I think that's a very negative way to play it. You know what I may, mean? Maybe version two has mitigated some of that stuff because officers are much more useful with snap snap to it than they used to be. Yeah. Um, so it does encourage you to have your officer actually doing officery shit rather than just being a tax I, that you pay and then hide him been, down the back. I have not been encouraged at all. I still hate taking officers, and I think look. I, I, I predicted that German first officers would become the new squeeze. I've since been proved wrong. Uh, I thought having three activations, I thought that would be fucking fantastic, that you could really get some good combos going with Snap 2. But I tell you what, I generally forget that Snap 2 is a thing and I don't really give two shits about uh, it. I, I think it's, it's, it's certainly variable about which armies it works better for. I mean, the, the problem, as you say, I mean, you could design combos in in lists around the officer activation, but you start to get problems about disembarking from vehicles. You start to get problems about um, committing too many of your dice early in the turn in ways that you know, might not actually be the best best use of those um, units. I reckon, I reckon that second lieutenants, unless it's a German second lieutenant, it's a snap two is almost a non-issue. Oh, I pull a dice and then I can pull, I can then activate another unit. Why wouldn't I just activate that unit with the dice that I have in my hand instead of fucking around with an officer? I, I mean, it depends how you use your, your officers. I mean, like... I, when you've got to kill I've, I've that shit, you've got to kill it now. I, I've, I've used it a few times because, like, you, if you have an officer and a, and a guy with him with SMGs, you know, they can actually do stuff. Um, so if you can... If, if what you want to do... Like, I've done this a few times is um, you can use them to activate first, um, put a pin on something um, that the guys next to you are going to assault. So when they, I mean, like a casualty would be great as well, but if the assaulting unit goes in, um, you know, that's a pin that that they're taking negative a hit. So, I mean, like I agree, like there's... there's, it's pretty limited, but there's definitely ways. There's, there's, there's definitely ch- there's ways chain, you can make your chain chain combo stuff. Um, yep. You know, and and Saga is a game that very much encourages you to think in those terms. And because I've been reading a lot over those rule books, it's made me think about the chain activation mechanics in bolt action in a, in a different way. Mm-hmm. About how you can so you you activate snap to it right. Sure. Your officer goes first. He can then move to be in the morale zone for the next unit that activates as part of that chain. So the, it's it's not um, so much a case as you were saying, Lockie, about the officer actually uh, putting the hurt on another unit, but the ability ability for him to activate, move into the zone of influence for the next unit in that chain. Yeah, I don't think that's where it happens. Yeah. So it have to be a first. It have to be a first lieutenant though. Yeah, where where, where you range? Yeah, I, I take your meaning. 
because they get two acts. German seconds get two activations. German first gets three. Yeah. That's why I thought they'd be the new squeeze because three activations is pretty tasty. I think the only way that I would actually get really interested and excited about officers is if the fundamental, if the core rules were changed, and instead of just being, instead of only being given a first and a second lieutenant as a HQ option to take, is if I was able to choose between a first, a second, a captain, or a major. If I had one of those four sitting there, well, occasionally I might decide to take a major or a captain and take one of those instead of taking a second. Oh, if, if, if he took the place of the junior exactly officer. Right. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think that's yeah. a stupid rule. Like, if you've got the, like, why would I take a lieutenant and then also take a captain or well, a Well, it's kind of, be- kind of because that's point. how it didn't work. You know, like, because yeah. the majors there, the sergeants don't get the day off. You no, know? That's what a sergeant is, a second lieutenant. It's, but still, it's he's, he's, he's still there. It's he's also based around there. the fact that, yeah. that Bolt Action is a platoon-scale game rather than a company-scale game yeah, where you'll sure. find those captains and majors. And then, I, personally, I see the, the higher officers are designed for a bigger game where maybe you've got a team game going on or a massive points value. And you go, all right, I've got multiple platoons. Then it makes sense that a captain or a major would be there for how that. Many, in, in, in the whole times that like, everyone in this room has played, how many times have you seen anybody field a captain or a major? Never. Once. I've seen it once, and that was uh, against my brother Robin who took one in a inexperienced uh, Russian list. Yeah, I've seen, like, I mean, like, I didn't see it, but I know that um, Patch a couple of years ago um, in his inexperienced French horde used a, you know, whatever it was, a major yeah, or a captain or, major or something. To kind of get going. Um, because, I mean, like, with that inexperienced stuff, like having, uh, you know, just the leadership bubble is really important, but also being able to activate lots of units at once, you know, just, um, just all that utility. Well, technically, you did run a higher officer in your in the last event. A commissar technically falls in, <laughs> into it, falls into that higher officer category. Yeah, that doesn't count. Yeah. That does oh, it counts. It's count. a bonus for being a ghost commissar. Just, exactly right. He's just a bloody order dice, isn't he? It bait is a fifteen point. And a mind clearer. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly right. Um, no, yeah, it, I, it, I know officers like I have a very. I like loot. I, I like officers. I mean, like you may as well use them. Um, you know, like yeah, rather than bait. it's just sniper bait. It's like okay, I'm going to put him out. Okay, he's dead. Yeah, but that's the the silliness of the sniper mechanics. Oh, you know, but, mortar, but if we if we go the into the the, well, the, the list design philosophy, you know, uh, and going back to what you said before about the officer is just a tax. Um, but everyone has yeah, to pay it, right? Yeah, exactly, but it w- might not be a bad thing to say. Okay, it's assumed that you have the officer, the basic one. You can choose to pay. More for that in, in that same way that any squad of 10 men has a Bren gun or has a um, MG42 because that is how the pl- platoon structure works. We're um, getting too much into maybe the, the meta list design stuff about wrangling about 10 points here, 5 points there for the options um, and getting away from the, the sense that... Um, this was the tactical doctrine about how rifle squads worked. The rifle squad is not really a rifle squad. It's a rifle squad supporting a light machine gun. Yeah, it would. You know? Um, so it, that's the price that we pay for all, the, all of the choices that we, we are presented with, that it becomes a little bit ahistorical and we're angling for advantage in matters of a small number of points. It's yeah. why, why I always defended the five-point LMG from the Season 2 rules. I five thought point that... LMG was hotness. Yeah, yeah, that was great. 
Have we got? Have we hit a massive tangent? That was yes again. Right, right. JL, what are you taking? Right. Well, um, the list that I took today is not. (laughs) Sorry, I just I'm like, hang on a minute. We're talking. No, I think it's JL's fault this time. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) Oh, what about those officers? (laughs) Yeah. Um, the the list that I took today is probably not the list that I will take uh, to oh, why? bear. Bits of it will. I mean, the stom- the stommel was the Storm hotness. Yeah, so so what's a stommel for those at home? Okay, well, the, there's two versions. There's the, of brie. there's the uh, the the two fifty and the two fifty one version of it. It's it's a Hannah Meg with a light howitzer mounted on it. Um, for reasons that I've never quite been clear about, the larger version has an eight-man transport capacity in addition to, to packing the, the gun. That's c- completely ahistorical. It wasn't used like that. Uh, it's a platoon support asset for Panzer Grenadier units, but in a 666-point list, having the mobility from that in addition to it being a really good support platform... It's amazing. There's a sneaky cheese. It is. No, he's totally slipped it in. Yeah. I, I think it's pretty good. So it's what, 130 points with an MMG as well? 130 points to have the MMG on the top. Um, look, I, 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 my observation was um, in a small game like this, green units are not the go. Um, or shirker units are not really the yeah, the I way to go. I, I, personally, I feel that a bear, we're going to see a lot of soft skins, a lot of lightly armored stuff. And we're also going to see it. Excuse me, a lot of veterans. That's my personal. Yeah, I, I think so too. So, um, I was running in the Volksgrenadiers, Strafbart, military police to keep the Strafbart moving. Um, one unit of uh, regular grenadiers and a vet- veteran uh, assault engineers. So it had a lot of teeth. It did. You had a lot of moving parts. Look, I feel you just got unlucky. Um, there were a couple of things that didn't quite work out for you, and there were a couple of things that kind of did, but. Um, yeah, uh, and I, I, th- I really think it was it was um, the unreliability of the infantry that was the difficulty. Um, in in retrospect, I would potentially take out the um, uh, light auto cannon half track out of See, that. The two fifty. That's pretty cool. Yeah, but uh, in six hundred and fifty points, six hundred and sixty six, whatever it is, that's um, just shy of a third of that is vehicle assets. Yeah. Open topped. Um, so vulnerable to p- pinning like that. Um, you know, I'm not even sure that the flamer was that all that much chop at that at that point. Yeah, cap. hang on, but that's because I got really lucky and was able to take it out before it could kind of do anything. So Well it it, it hit you it and hit it me. killed one guy. Yeah, it but was I mean, like, and then you just, just you, like you said, up. you just yep. got you just got low rolls. You hit and then you just rolled really low. Um I think the flamer I, I I think those uh, pioneers are a good idea. I think it's all the stuff that you're supporting them with that you maybe need to have a bit of a think about. But yeah, I, I've been normally, I, 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 like everyone, I guess, been shying away a little bit from um, German MMGs because sniper bait, like you said. Yeah. But at this point's level, I'm starting to think, okay, maybe the support assets could influence the game in a way that they don't tend to in a, in a larger game. Um, just the board control stuff. Um, you're in range much quicker mm-hmm. walking through those um, MG42 fields of fire. Yeah, so well, even um, in, our, in the few games I've played, just like the 36-inch range of MMGs, whether they're on a vehicle or like 
you know, by an LMG, just like well, there's a lot of horse. it's a lot of um, ground you cover. Oh, yeah, like yeah. it's the majority of the board, right? On a, on um on a four by four. I think that it. Yeah, I don't know. I'm. Uh... I still don't think they're the best option, but I think they're probably better in, in a four by four than yeah. than by six by four, right? Yeah. Well, in, in a in a smaller game where you're less likely to find them being pinged off the board um, very early. I think if recent mm. statistics show us anything. I think you need to get a sniper in there, mate, because uh, mm-hmm. nine out of ten of the Cancom winning lists uh, had a sniper. So that's a well, it's it's solid, normally solid for me. It's a it. it's a it's an auto include, but um, it really is. I don't know. I just I'm, wanted I'm, to do I'm, something different. Yeah, I'm I'm really missing it in my LRDG. I'm like, I would love to take a sniper. I, I, I don't think I don't think I think snipers are very good. I don't think they're um, an auto include, um, as I uh, detailed on my recent appearance on the caster. <laughs> shout out to me. <laughs> Can you give yourself a shout out? Oh um, my god, that's amazing. Uh, yeah, uh, I mean, like, yeah, I don't get me wrong. Snipers are very good, but um, I think no, I th- I don't. They're very good. I think they're fucking amazing. I think they are on to include because how many times when somebody puts their sniper down, do you then have to like adjust your deployment mm-hmm. because of a sniper? Sure, they change the way your enemy has to play against you. They mm-hmm. have the same effect as say an RD observer or an air observer or a mortar observer. Mm-hmm. Anything that can that can put down. Yeah. hurt on you from a long distance away changes the way you're, you're like, mm-hmm. like you look at me I don't have any of that shit you, you can kind of deploy any way you want it doesn't sure. matter but you get you can get up on someone so quick with that list I mean you you were on my backline objective in turn two in in that game yeah you you no. killed yeah, that yeah, yeah you yeah, just yeah, 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 yeah assaulted right. those yeah, those guys so quickly coming yeah, up the road the board um, jumped out shot some stuff and then assaulted over a hedge yeah I was yeah it was quite quick but that's that's very situational. I mean, we were playing on a on a on a board with a lot of roads. That um, that that board is very open. It is. Well, it, yes, it is and it isn't mm. because of all the trees and stuff. And we weren't playing blocks line of sight, but yeah. it slows it down. So, soft soft cover is just not enough, I think. To yeah. um, yeah. to I mean, to I've, I've played that board both ways. Yeah. I I honestly think that the trees should block line of sight. Uh, it's too open otherwise. Yeah. yeah. Fair enough. I think it's just. I think you would end up with a game where you don't really see much or do much until about turn three or four. Mm-hmm. But again, like we also, I don't know. But it's a, so so because like they're only what they're on like CDs or whatever, right? Um, so if if you're a mobile unit, you can sneak around the side and clip, be able to clip them, and it's just soft cover. But yeah. if you're um, trying to hide against, like the value is obviously trying to hide against um, a a stationary target like a howitzer or a mortar that physically mm-hmm. can't move and sneak around and just clip you with, you know, like the line of sight kind of. Um, yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I mean, it, it was just a very open board and, you know, so, yeah. soft, soft cover is good, um, uh, but it doesn't Well, the funny thing is like, there, there's a lot of hard cover there, but yeah. they're buildings. Yeah. So that, that influences you your... Both times I played, I played the two of you today and I played the same board side both times because I looked at it and thought, well, on my side, I've got ruins. I can get him ruins. Ruined us. You know, and because Lockie had a light howitzer, JL had a light howitzer, and that's a three to hit a building. I'm not going to take that risk. Mm-hmm. But, right, moving on, Rubes, what are you taking? So, as I mentioned before, I'm working on my Belgians. So, um, and this is when we talk about scaling. I mean, I've. Belgians and some of the minor powers. I agree, very hard to scale at higher points. Sure. So this event's actually pretty good. Uh, 
because I can take sort of a good scattering and not have to worry about trying to pad out points. Having said that, um, my force is growing, so I'm my list is largely based on what I've got. Um, but it's also themed around blocking forces that the Belgians used at bridges and choke points to try to slow down the German advance. So my list is led by a uh, we got regular first lieutenant, um, one up. Yeah, went first for this one. I've got two infantry sections of 10 guys, uh, one with a BAR and the NCOs with submachine guns. The Belgians included BARs um, in their... Um, in their forces. Browning actually was originally a Belgian company before it moved to the States in, I think, 1932. A little bit of gun history there for you. Uh, I've taken a medic, um, medium machine gun, medium mortar. These are all at regulars. Um, And something I don't normally include on the topic of snipers, I've actually included a sniper in this force because I've got a sniper model and it fills out some points. Sure. Um, An anti-tank rifle team. Yes. they're, they're becoming an auto-include for me. I like, I like the fact that you can use them like a sniper. Yeah. You want to, you want something dead? It's infantry or soft skin. There's your plus two right there. Yeah, and then... soft skins and armor sevens, they're just... They're, yep. They're really potent. Got a medium anti-tank gun in the uh, 47 millimeter AT gun and a uh, T13B3 tank hunter. Sounds impressive. It really does. It does. It's a lot of letters and numbers there, but it is essentially a what we say an armor seven. Yep. Open topped. Yeah. Uh, with a turret mounted light anti tank gun. Yep. And a coaxial BAR. Coax BAR. Yep. Coax automatic rifle. What is that? A, a Browning automatic rifle, or is it just <laughs> yeah? An... Yeah. Yep. B A R. B A R. Just the look of disbelief on Tristan's well, no, face is priceless. Like, yeah, is no, it is. Shots, it's a what, looking yeah. at it right now. Yeah. Turret mounted no, light anti tank gun, coaxial automatic rifle. It doesn't say bar, but it's an automatic rifle. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's uh, not great. How many points is that bad boy? It is 93 points. I was going to say 95 points, but yeah, the. Wow. An ex coax B A R. So it's the same points as a triple two. Triple two! Triple yeah. two! Yep. Um, and I pity the fool who doesn't take a triple two. From what I've read so far, the Belgians didn't really have any light machine guns. It was all the BARs. Oh, yeah, I've heard that somewhere as well. Um, so, yeah, it's quite an interesting one. Uh, as I mentioned in one of the previous casts, I think the T-13 is one big slip-up that Warlord made in the fact that it's in the list. It was the most prolific Belgian armoured vehicle of the war. Um, but they don't make a model for it. Actually, yeah, they're gonna. I mean, they're, I guess if they were here, they would say to you, "Well, how many people are out there buying Belgian armies?" But yet they made the T fifteen, which only about I think less than a hundred of those were made. Um, yeah, true. What's the T fifteen? Uh, it's basically armed with a HM. Well, and the original version was an MMG uh, in the turret, and that was it. Same, same. Yeah. I believe it's an Armour Seven vehicle with an MMG in the turret, and that's it. And then it was upgunned in the Battle of France book to to be an HMG. Okay. And that was a yeah, one of Belgium's main tanks. Um, having said that, I did get a model off of Shapeways. Um, wasn't that cheap? Uh, postage. Shapeways, Shapeways is pricey, but their stuff's generally pretty good. Yeah, the cast the the um the three D print of it is actually really quite a nice print. It's um very crisp. Uh, postage was the big killer. Coming from the US. Oh, yeah, there you go. So it was $20, $25. And the $60 I paid was just postage. 
Jesus. Mm. So, Rubes, you know, just having a bit of a closer look at your list. So, you've only got two units of um, of infantry. Like, you know, you've got quite a bit of support elements um, with the machine gun, a mortar, sniper, ATR, and uh, the old tank hunter. But only two units of infantry. It's very interesting. Yeah, well, that, once again, came down to what I have in my collection at the moment. Sure. Um, I do have... A couple more orders, and thankfully my missus doesn't listen to this podcast. I do have a couple more orders on the way from uh, Warlord, but uh, I'm not sure if all of it will arrive in time. Um, yeah, so I'm I, re- I reckon, yeah, squeezing in another infantry unit would be real, you know, like yeah, would make I've, I've this a bit for better. Full strength squads, though, because it's one rule I'm really going to push myself to try to remember is the re roll on, on uh, morale tests or order tests if you've got a full squad. It's one rule I always forget. Oh, uh, true. Yeah. No, I never. I don't think I ever play max uh, squads anyway. But um, so that yeah, is a so good point to remember. It's something I'm really going to push myself to remember because I always like taking full squads um, for that simple reason, um, and I always forget that rule. Mm-hmm. I, I might even get it tattooed on the back of my hand or something before uh, op bear. Wow. And I'm just looking at this bloody oh, just the T13 with the coaxial automatic rifle. What if you may as well not even have it, in 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 my opinion. Like, I mean, like the the light anti tank guns, fine, you know, like whatever. But like the the coaxial, like I don't reckon you'll ever use that. Probably not. With two, two, two 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 shots. shots. It's yeah, just like you're not firing a one inch HE from the light AT. Uh, absolutely. Um, and you, you it's not only do you, is it only two shots rather than five in the MMG. It's also thirty inches rather than thirty six, which is yeah. such but a that's what wow. What and a, it was the most prolific uh, armored vehicle that Belgium had in nineteen uh, forty. And it's it's tracked as well. It doesn't have recce. Um, Open topped. Jeez, the, good, the, good luck with that of, one. <laughs> it's an in- interesting looking vehicle, actually. The turret is not fully enclosed either. Mm. So it's like a oh, 290 degree enclosure. Sure. The back of the turret was open. And then an open tray at behind it where all the ammunition was stored and the crew would, would stand. It's yeah. only a small vehicle. It's, it's yeah, well. barely bigger than a tankette. Now, well, look, I'm looking forward to see you on the table. Um, I think the medic's also very brave to be in a, a six, six, seven point list where you don't have really that many yeah, no, points again, to play around. But I guess comes, it, comes it, mo- collection. yeah, mo- <laughs> models are limited. No, I'm looking forward to seeing it on the Having on the table. Said that, just after I'd submitted that list, uh, Warlord did come out with a Belgian Bofors gun and a few yeah. other odds and ends. Which oh boy, not the my missus. If you're listening, switch off now. But I do. <laughs> Do have on the way from uh, Warlord as we speak. Hundred percent guaranteed she's not listening. <laughs> yeah, she sure. uh, she does close the door to the. Uh, I call it the hobby room. She calls it the study. She does close the door pretty much every time she walks past to hide my collection. It's all just noise to her, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> as I, as yeah. <laughs> uh, all right, boys. Well, uh, any any other closing thoughts on um, Op Bear or anything about listing? I mean, I played a couple of games against our new Swedish friend uh, Joel. Um, got a got a win and a draw against him. He. You know, a good game that I saw against mm, you guys at House of War. That was a really that was a really near run thing. It was good, yeah. I mean, like his list is it's a Falschmager German um, list. The first first uh, game we played, uh, he's quite limited with models as well, um, but uh, because it's basically what he could bring um, across from Sweden. Yeah. But he had um, a light, oh, whatever it is, like a, an artillery observer. 
yeah, which is a hundred points. One hundred point auxiliary observer in at, German list at six six uh, at six yeah. six seven points, which is like oh, That's a lot um, of his points and it just evaporated and mm-hmm. didn't kind of do a heck of a lot. Didn't do much against me. We played a very cagey game as well, and it's like we I just spent a turn rallying on the stuff that it hit, and I was like, oh. Um, Having said that, that there is a potential with the artillery observer to do massive damage. I I had um, a game against I think it was Rob Deacon. And the last event where his artillery observers shut down half my army and pretty much hamstrung me for the entire game. So mm. I can see the logic behind taking an artillery observer at this point level for the off the off chance yeah. that Look, your opponent does cluster their stuff a little too close together. For sure. I mean, and Rob, Rob Deacon's list um, was obviously seeks. Um, it had uh, you know he gets it's it for free, free. he gets it for free. Um, and I mean, we had this a little bit of a chat in in, in our um, private chat about. Um, their, their value um, I mean at 100 points they're just they're just way too overpriced you don't you're not getting enough points I reckon they're probably an auto include if you drop them to 50 points and probably about right at 75 so I mean that's good. probably uh, where it should be but anyway so Joel uh, I, I beat him in the first game then uh, he he dropped the the artillery observer and put put more veteran dudes in um, and was a much closer game came down to a draw could have gone either way in that last couple of turns yeah it's interesting with Brad that he's constructed a player pack uh, it's um it's different uh, mm. so it is 667 points now he's basically said no free units mm-hmm. so initially I wrote like a 13 order dice list that have you know for the Russians and I was kind of toying with that for a while and then I ended up going in a completely different direction but I mean as soon as you take out that free squad, especially at like low points, that kind of hurts the Russians. I think the Russians um, are probably fine because they, they, they have other special rules. They've got naturally strong selections. Um, but yeah, no, it, it absolutely. It does change the dynamic in terms of some lists. Yeah, I mean, well, the Amer- yeah. the Americans, for example, well, get... the Americans don't get any... They're, they're, they're no, all fine. The, Austra- yeah. the, the New Guinea Australians, if I wanted to run them, like they're... they're perfectly fine they've got yeah. all their special rules um, uh, the, the British don't get the free ID observer so you're essentially down to one of the one, one but of they, the they still they still got some nice special rules one, yeah one special rule that you can mm. take to theme your entire army and that's yeah. it so you kind of like, what, what about the old uh, the old Frenchy boys who get nothing yeah I know and this is nothing like, it's, <laughs> yeah you all of a sudden as soon as you drop that free unit you I think you kind of hamstring some forces I mean I'm not saying I think that a better way of doing it rather than saying, well, we're not doing any free squads is like, okay, if you want to take the free Russian squad, fine, you take it at the, the lowest number you can take. Yeah, but, but then the artillery observer, you can't take a lower amount. Oh, yeah, I know. It's difficult. I, I, I think I think Brad's done the right thing um, in terms of like not allowing any uh, free units. Um, I, what I saw would have been a couple of years ago maybe at one of the de-escalation events. I didn't go to it. It was it might have been Wintercon, but I remember seeing that um, it was for 500-point games and you could choose one special rule that you have um, for your army. Um, and uh, that maybe that would have uh, been another option. Um, so basically, like, this is, uh, you know, Americans could only choose uh, the move and fire special rule that they don't get that. They don't get the, the other special rules that they have. Or um, same with Germans, like, they can't have Tiger Fear and uh, Hitler's buzzsaw and, yeah. you know, the... The, the lieutenant special rule, you know, those, those kind of things. So, I mean, I think it's very complicated and um, in terms of scaling down, you know what yeah. I mean? Like, yeah. so I think he, uh, so I think what, what Brad's done is uh, he streamlined it. So rather than having, you know, picking and choosing for each, uh, each 
nation, I guess. Like he streamlined it and it's kind of like a one size fits all thing. So naturally it just, um, and I think that's a fine approach to take. It just, yeah, naturally some armies uh, go unscathed and some armies like the French uh, don't get yeah, any of their national got, special rules. Yeah, you kind of got screwed a bit. Look, I think it'll be an interesting event. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be a bit of fun. It's still and, ages uh, away, so. Yeah, oh, dude, months away I'm having said that I mean it'll all happen very very quickly yeah we've just been really keen uh, with uh, these li- you know listening but uh, so the main point of this po- of this uh, you know cast tonight will be the Fortress Budapest book we're going to be talking about it some of the new theatre selectors some of the new uh, Hungarian uh, you know models that have been brought out um, so we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to get stuck into Fortress Budapest back after this and welcome back to uh, the second half of, the, of our episode. We're talking Fortress Budapest, uh, which is a new uh, campaign book um, that Warlord has put out in the last couple of months. Um, it's been authored by a good friend of the podcast and the Australian bold action community, Brian Cook, um, from up in New South Wales. Uh, and, oh my Lord, like what a beautiful book this is. It, it really is like the most nicely presented um, yeah. Select a uh, theatre book that I've I've seen them come out with so far. It's um, it's really really nice. It's certainly up, certainly up there. Um, and yeah, p- probably definitely one of the best um, Warlords produced uh, in the last few years. Um, I mean, look, you can just tell when you open this book. I mean, you know, the Brian and he's you know a lot of people have worked with Brian to help him as well um, in terms of like providing models, providing um, some uh, play testing. Uh, you know, like basically everything that comes into putting a campaign book um, together. But you, you can obviously see Brian and the team has gone above and beyond in, in, in this one. And um, I, I know that, that Brian's been working uh, on this for probably two, probably three years. Um, and I know that's a bit of a passion project. So you can, and but the thing well, is, it shows in the book that definitely it's, it's does. written with passion. It really yep. does show. Yeah, absolutely. And it's not just like, oh, you know, write, write a campaign book, bust it out, sell it, and then move to the next one. This is a real passion project. And, and you know, and the thing you can tell about it is it's not one that they have done because it's an obvious gap that was missing and they just needed to get something in there to, to keep the wheels rolling. You know, th- this is just um, obviously a labor of love. Yeah, I mean... The whole Hungarian sort of front is is largely forgotten by by most people, so it's it's really sort of a real niche um, aspect to the closing stages of the war that a lot of people don't know a lot about. So it, it is a bit. Do you want to give us a bit of um, you know background context for people who aren't so familiar? Yeah, with the sure. Campaign? I'll, I'll I'll do this bit if you don't. Mind. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Go from it. Okay, at the in the closing stages of the war, um, <clears throat> Germany had lost the the all of the access to oil that they had from everywhere else except um, the oil fields in Hungary, right? The other thing you have to remember is uh, Budapest is about 150 miles down the road from Vienna. Um, So essentially, strategically, um, after the collapse of um, the Battle of the Bulge, um, all of the... um, sort of uh, elite German units that they could muster up, um, even to the detriment of the defence of Berlin, were sent off to try and stop um, the Soviets taking taking Budapest because of the uh, reasons of preserving access to the oil fields and ideally trying to keep the battle away from um, the Austrian border. 
so that's that's sort of the potted version of it, but it's a long campaign as well because that um, involved all of the fighting coming through the Carpathian Mountains and the passes and then across the great big open plain of, of Hungary, which is, you know, outside of the desert, about the best tank country that you'll you'll find. I mean, it was where modern cavalry stuff was invented. Um, it's just a good place to fight a big tank battle. Um, yeah, I think I read um, somewhere that Hitler put about half of his um, Panzer, um, you know, bit, you know, uh, divisions in this mm-hmm. area, right? Yeah, um, because I, like presumably because of how how well the terrain suited the tanks. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And and uh, you know, I I just recently been reading a book about um, the campaigns in the 16th century there with Ottoman Turkey pushing up to Vienna and it it played out exactly the same way the strategic choke points because of the geography um, coming through that part of the world the battles are fought in almost the same places you know the the terrain of the uh, the country dictates where the river river crossings are um, Budapest is is uh, strategically important anyway because it controls the the Danube crossing there it's it's actually two cities uh buddha and pest were originally two uh separate settlements on on either bank of the of the danube uh and it's now grown up into being a very large city mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and it seems like it also seems an interesting one to me as well because you had the hungarians on their home ground these are these are, these are you know people who are fighting you know kind of you know against the soviets to you know to really hold their ground to protect their cities to protect or not, and then you've got the Germans supporting them, um, and on the, on the other side, of course, you have the Soviets with their, their you know, running around with their, uh, you know, their armored assault platoons, um, and, and it, their Romanian and it's allies. Like the the last the the last stand. Uh, there, there was a book I read recently about the the siege of Budapest that the subtitle was the Stalingrad of the SS. That um, in the same way that. Um, the those here units got sucked into the cauldron at um, uh, Stalingrad and almost told, "Well, stand there as long as you can. In, any day you keep fighting is a victory." Um, and there are a lot of elements that it it is the last incidents of them fighting in the way that they traditionally had. And there's a apocryphal story about them uh, cutting the the sleeve cuffs off and sending them them back um, because they, they weren't able to achieve the objectives that they, they were assigned dis, despite all of the um, uh, the carnage and they, they got a pretty bad dressing down from, from Hitler and I think they, uh, certainly one unit chopped the uh, uh, sleeve titles off and sent them, sent them home going, well, fuck you then, we're done. This is the... So it's really right at the apocalyptic end of of World War Two. Yeah, it was at that sort of crunch time too. I mean, you mentioned that the Soviets had Romanian allies. Well, at that point of the war, Romania decided, well, <laughs> stay on the Axis side is just doomed. So they actually switched sides, and I believe they supplied something like over two hundred thousand fighting men to the Soviets to that uh, Ukrainian front to push down through to Hungary. Of course, there was no love lost between the Romanians and the Hungarians. Mm. So that was an extra sort of factor that fueled the savagery and, the, and how... And, and the, the sense was. of, um, you know, the uh, German coup 
in uh, late 1944 where um, you know, they kidnapped Admiral Horthy's son, uh, took him out of Budapest, rolled up in a carpet, I, I think, in an, in an attempt to blackmail um, Hungary into staying in, t- in the war because by that stage everybody else had made a separate peace. I think even Finland was, was out of the war by this stage and Hungary was the only country that stuck by by Germany and so the perception I believe in in Hitler's mind was um, we've got to duke this out because it's the last man standing that's um, that stuck with us mm. so there was that emotional engagement with with Hungary and the the Arrows cross was by that stage in in command of Hungary and uh, you know not a very savory bunch of people but you know the only remaining fascist government in in Europe other than Germany mm-hmm. yeah absolutely and I mean and then we all know like what happened at the, at the, um, after the war as well you know Hungary just falls to kind of um, become a satellite state of uh, you know like in terms of influence from the Soviets then, uh, I, the, ironically I, I mean they were the, the first place to uh, um, Czechoslovakia and Hungary to mm-hmm. um, try and resist that yeah you know, and that famous footage of the is3s driving through the Rolling streets through the streets yeah quite iconic footage yeah um i mean yeah look it's just a great book i mean like i want to there's so much content here and we're not going to get to all of it um we want to focus on um some of the new uh units uh in this book we want to focus on um you know some of the uh, theater selectors i guess there's a lot of theater selectors that um i think Brian um, and the team's gone to a lot of effort into, uh, you know, making hard decisions for army lists. You know, so some some of the lists get some pretty good special rules, but they also a lot of them are paying penalties for that. Whether it's um, you're not getting uh, so for the Soviets, they might not get their free and experienced squad. Um, you know, which is you know about a hundred points worth of of models that they're not getting. In some of that, it's worth it. Um, it we're not going to really touch too much on the on all of the scenarios. I think. Um, I will say one yeah. thing about the scenarios. Um, there's a map. If you've got the book on page eight, I'm sure you've seen it. It actually pinpoints where each scenario takes place throughout Hungary and, and Budapest. Um, they really paint a really good picture reading through about mm-hmm. the fighting. And I think the scenarios, while we're not going to go into them, I will say that from what I've read through so far, it, it really does paint a great picture. and it, It's a logical progression and it tells the story of the battle of the Soviets pushing in through all the way to Budapest. Yeah, it, it, it gives you, I think, a much clearer conceptual picture of what's going on there if you didn't already know this than, than any of the other books so far have yeah. done. The, the only other thing I'll, I'll raise about the scenarios is that um, the city fighting ones are really interesting. Yeah. You know, and that uh, I think we'll s- hopefully see some influence on on that on the Stalingrad campaign book which has been announced uh, for 2020 yeah yeah, mm. and a lot of those scenarios are actually played on four by four boards as well. You know, they're heavily built up, um, you know, maps uh, with a, a lot of hazards, a lot of you know, like kind of barbed wires, you know, walls, booby mines, cemeteries, all this stuff. Yeah, and it's really close, really bitter fighting, which is you know, is kind of reflective. A lot of when we get to the theatre selectors, um, a lot of them are very close range, kind of uh, you know, heavy assault. So I mean, like 
you're we're pl- we've been playing you know 667 points on four by four but imagine playing you know a thousand points or 1200 points even um of these you know elite units of um you know of infantry assault infantry just you know kind of you know running at each other what do you yeah. reckon that'll go well i i think it'll be very interesting because uh, although the board is smaller and i think they are kind of geared towards asymmetrical games where one side has 20 percent or 40 percent more um, infantry than the other um, it gives you a lot of options as far as um, strategic assets for defense Mm -hmm. Um, so your deployment becomes different um you can pop up from the sewers you can can dig uh, in really heavily really heavily um it it, it'll be a whole different way to to play a a game on a smaller board but it'll take a lot of terrain to do that yeah for for sure i mean like i'd love to start playing some of these uh scenarios as i said i don't think we'll do um really any of them justice by you know going into them too much which is why i want to stick to um you know, new units, new uh, theatre selectors, um, which is why I want to start with. So we've actually got some new models for this one, boys. We've got um, a bunch of the new Hungarian stuff um, from Warlord. Um, you know, and these, these are really nice models. It actually makes me want to start playing Hungarians. Um, I do have some Hungarians inbound. Mm-hmm. I, I've been really thinking about it because the uh, the other thing about some of these lists is that they're dual nationality, German and Hungarian together. So if you want to bite into that it's not like you're starting a whole new army from scratch if you've got a late war german army you're talking about adding a couple of squads or repurposing maybe your volksturm squads to be one flavor of militia or, or another that have their own uh, individual flavor in this book which is probably what you want to do anyway like you know um if you've got a German army, just to add a few of these Hungarian units to add some flavour, um, because they so that we've got two two boxes of infantry, um, and they're different units. Um, we'll get to them in a sec, but um, you know, like if you're going to have a whole army of these boxes, I mean, like they're they're, they're all monopos, right? So you're going to have a lot of double ups. But if you're adding them to an existing force of Germans, uh, you know, you kind of alleviate that issue. A bit. Yeah, I mean, and th- there would certainly be some issues. I think you oh, some options there as far as using uh, alternative. Rangers that might be World War One Germans, that uniform is at arm's length. You could pass it off as a Hungarian one with the the putties, yeah. the the leg wrappings, and you so on. You might have to head swap out the heads, but um, you could also add them to it. Just a German reinforced platoon, or some of you know maybe the inexperienced squads, or, or um, yeah, yeah, stuff absolutely. Like that. I mean, yeah. they'd, they'd they'd fit right in. I mean, look, so. I mean, we'll, we'll get straight into it. So, look, the, um, we've got a unit of the parachute assault um, section. Uh, so, these boys, you know, like from the first Hungarian parachute battalion, um, you know, like these are these are the guys. These guys are tough. Um, they're getting in there. They're getting stuck in there. You know, defending uh, the different, uh, you know, like I guess the streets um, in Budapest, and like I guess they're the guys, the go-to guys, right? Yeah, they're they're. Um Harder than any SS unit that I've looked at. Um, you know, they don't have the, the funky disguised rules like Brandenburgers, but they're up on that level. Mm-hmm. Um, you would not want to be in assault with with this crew. No. So, I mean, if you, like, I mean, we're not going to tell you about the models, I guess, because they're like, you know, go have a look at them, go search them up. Um, they're really nice. <laughs> um, but, you know, like, yeah, absolutely. They're f- so for their rules, so they, I mean, they've got, uh, they've got tough as old boots, which is, you know, what the, the same as the British, uh, you know, one of the British special rules. Um, 
which is, you know, really good. So basically, so for every three men fighting in the combat, you can roll on an extra dice. Um, so seven men would roll two extra dice and ten men would roll three and so on. Um, I mean, you know, like that's pretty powerful considering they're veterans. They're probably going to have a few SMGs um, in the squad um, to make them tough fighter. What do we reckon about that, boys? Yeah, it's yeah, it's a nully unit. Yeah, yeah. Expensive, but um, that's that's a really nice unit to have. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, and um, so they've also got and a few of, a few units in this book do have this special rule, but it's motivated elite. So basically, when you when, when the uh, unit successfully passes an order check, you remove D two pins rather than the usual one. Mm-hmm. Um, so I've, yeah, as I said, a few of the, of the Hungarian troops have this um, in in this book. Uh, again, what do we reckon? It's interesting. It's it's a very fluffy way of um, like obviously showing that motivation um, that the squads keep going even under that sort of extreme fire or extreme danger. That they were elite troops. They were highly motivated, well led, and determined to just keep pushing forward. So I really like like that rule. Um, I don't, I'd kind of like to see that used uh, on several other sort of existing units. Yeah, absolutely. Be, it uh, seems to to for. seems to work work well for that sort of early war SS stuff when they were completely rash about just keeping going forward and took you know probably unacceptable casualties but would keep just keep going stop, yeah. yeah yeah and i don't think it's an overpowered rule or anything like it's basically a 50% chance to um to 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 shed an extra pin um you know which is nice and fluffy it can um you know it can help help you out i guess when you're in a sticky situation um i i don't think it'll be a game changer but not, I don't think much in this book, you know, it's not seismic shifts, but they're just really nice tweaks to units and different ways to play your existing collection, which which is part of why I like it so much. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So this squad can get have, what, four SMGs, um, you can have two Panzerfaust, you can have um, um, a light machine gun in, in them, and um, you can upgrade that to being a German MG42 for an extra five points. So that's what, 25 points, it's getting pretty pricey. So you're probably not going to use that even though it's a nice uh, touch, particularly since uh, these guys, you know, what you want them in combat, right? Like you're not, you're not hanging back shooting your LMGs at people, you're, you're charging out. But they are expensive unit. They're 78 points for five men. Um, yeah. Yeah, pretty neat. Um, and the next, next one we have is the uh, Honved division section so these are just uh, i think the hungarian kind of uh, regular ar- yep. army royal hungarian army reg- regular line infantry sort of stuff quite well motivated because they're, they're fighting on home ground mm-hmm. you've actually got yeah. two different honved um type of sections here you've got the replacement ones mm-hmm. which uh were reserve armies that were called up in uh, 1944 um and then you've got the actual regulars as well um so in here you've got them as experienced, which uh, which is the regular army as you mentioned, um, and they they take they regular or uh, veterans. Mm-hmm. Um, then you've also got the uh, replacement division sections, um, which are actually green. Uh, are they shirkers? No, just green. Um, uh, just double checking. You know, just straight green. Uh, 35 points for five men inexperienced with rifles. But that can be expanded right up uh, with additional eight men. Uh, submachine guns, Panzerfaust, light machine gun. 
So, so like they're pretty um, diverse squads, I guess, like or adaptable even because yeah. like so they have different loadouts. You can take yeah that thir- that's thirteen men for the inexperienced squad. Yep. Um, uh, yeah, I mean that's not too bad. But we there's the so th- those are the kind of core of the the regular Hungarian army, and you have a lot of entries after that about irregulars and militia stuff and some of that is really cool yeah, too yeah my, my favourite out of that was the uh, Van A Battalion Flying Squad the uh, yeah isn't that awesome World War One veterans and young boys who were municipal workers um, and they're, they're they're quite a they've got quite a few uh, interesting rules that comes with them obviously fanatics uh, so we're doing 65 points for an NCO and four men uh, you can pump that up with an extra five guys uh, submachine gun light machine gun Panzerfaust got the home ground rule um uncles and pups is interesting so let's go over home ground a little bit because this this crops up everywhere does, in this in this book it's probably a good thing that we we cover mm-hmm. that so, that off now yeah it's a good special rule um so this unit does not suffer the usual neg one on its role to come on from reserve or outflank and in addition if this unit is deploying the table at the start of the game or in the first wave it may set up after all the units have been deployed on both sides must set up with in 12 inches um Oh, sorry, the normal deployment zone. Um, the unit may also be hidden and in ambush. So I think this makes MMG teams, if you can get them that home rule, that home ground rule, yeah, really quite nasty because mm-hmm. you set them up in ambush, in hidden, in a good spot after everybody else has set yeah. their shit up. And so that really fits a the theme of a lot of the scenarios and the the background to this. Uh, this book with the bitter city, uh, bitter city fighting as well. It's just perfect for setting up these teams that you know, squads are patrolling down, and, and a sec the next minute the MG opens up on them, and no one knows where it comes from. It's um, it's very fluffy. I, I really, as we all know, I'm, I'm very much a big fan of the fluff and the story. And I think that's a really good rule that really pumps that story up that you can create that narrative on the table. Uh-huh. You know, and, and, and like like many things in the um, theatre selectors, they're, they're applicable elsewhere. Um, I think certainly for the, the German units that I think there's only one that has it, but you could make that reflect quite easily fighting in Königsberg or Hamburg or well, something where it's a, it's a known... If you go th- uh, later on in the book, when it talks about the uh, city fighting assets, which I love, uh, it just it's so so narrative and so story. It's it's great, but it does mention in that that it says that while this is designed for this book, um, it does mention here other bitter urban sieges in the Second World War include Kharkov, Stalingrad, Manila, Cayenne, Aachen, and Berlin. So a lot of that stuff would be easily transferable across mm-hmm. to some of those major city fights that were just absolute shit fights in the in the rubble and ruins of these massive cities yeah yeah absolutely yeah for sure and, I, and it, 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 if we we're Khan. <laughs> oh, my, oh my gosh um yeah if i was going to run another event uh, like i did a couple of months Khan's ago like my, sorry oh. it's like my my renault <laughs> both french those bloody frenchmen <laughs> Um, yeah, no, like those kind of rules would be really great, you know, if we wanted to run another event like Operation Order Miss where each table has some, uh, you know, little special rules yeah. that aren't hopefully not game-breaking but add a bit of flavour. Um, so we'd like to do that in the future most likely. Well, I think the next event that's coming up, we had to delay 
the event that Sneaky Cheese and I were going to run, we've pushed that back to July. Mm-hmm. Uh, still being run at the Autumn Bowls Club, but we are looking at doing something a little bit different for that. Rubes and I have had a conversation, and we may see some of the table rules that have been outlined in this book make an appearance at that event. Um, more details to come. Watch this space. Um, I'm just reading the um, just just to finish off the Vinay Battalion Flying Squad. Um, just looking at the uncles and pups special rule, which is really interesting. It's basically reverse green. So they start off as a regular, and at the first time they uh, suffer a casualty, they roll a dice, and on a one, they they go back to uh, being an experience and the yeah. morale value of eight. Yeah, I think that's really cool because you could just as easily represent a Volksturm squad with with this. Yes. Yep. Well, I mean, even the write-up, you, you read the, the sort of background to it, the World War One veterans were basically placed in squads with younger guys to give them the benefit of their experience. So that rule's really nice in the fact that, I know, the, the guy that was showing us what to do has just been picked yeah. off. What do we do? Uh, run away or you know, yeah. take cover. It's also I mean, the, there's some interesting stuff. Mm. Um, some of the, the new German rules for that work, work that same way, that yeah. um, your re- replacement squads... Um, start off as regular um, and a little bit like that that finish rule the more they get wasted the better they get um, mm-hmm. so by the time you're left with two guys left they're uh, veterans with fanatic yeah right um, so it, it makes those units um, easy to kill some of them mm-hmm. but very hard to kill the whole squad because it represents that out of this rebuilt um squad all of the the new guys got killed quickly but mm-hmm. the dudes that have been out there since 1941 know yeah. the ropes and they're staying around no duck. yeah they haven't uh, been shot yet for, um i guess um and i mean this special rule for the vene battalion i guess it changes the dynamics a little bit because instead of like normally um if you're green, uh, like fighting a green squad you don't want to shoot it with small arms like a machine gun or something you're just not you know like you don't want to risk that they're going to go up. But for, for this one, if you've got a sneaky couple of rifles or a machine gun, ha, you know, have a crack and they might roll a one and it's like, you know, then it's gravy. And there's another unit there, the um, Arrows Cross Militia, which has a strange backwards version of rules that we're very familiar with. Um, and their, their version is about Fnatic. So uh, usually Fnatic is something that, well, certainly in the armies that I'm familiar with, with playing, that you get on hardcore veteran units um these these guys uh inexperienced not very good but um you don't want to zeal fatalistic zeal yeah you don't really want to assault them because they're uh much better in assault than really they should be which is supposed to represent the fact that these guys know when the russians come in they're going up against the wall um they've got no way out yeah, I'm just kind of reading it. It's a, it's, it's a bit clunky wording, isn't it? In close quarters, only this unit counts as having the Fnatic special rule until that combat is resolved. Well, th- this was what prompted the conversation we, we had that played into what we were discussing about the way that instructions are written. Um, it's, it's a, in this book, at least, a pretty rare example of uh, clunky wording. I, I'm pretty sure I understand what that's meant to mean, but I've been but you, wrong yeah. before. But I mean, for, from what I read, it's, it says while you're in combat, you have Fnatic, but Fnatic doesn't do anything if you're not in combat. Exactly. So, so it's basically it's only just in, a Fnatic yeah, special just rule. Just Fnatic. Which is, yeah. I, I mean, maybe like, 
maybe it was meant to be played as something different. We'd have to ask Brian about what the intention was. But basically, well, it, it may be something that we're we're not seeing that's yeah. hidden in one of the scenario rules. That's true. Elsewhere, I also kind of look at it in the sense that if you just gave them fanatics, people would be looking at it going twenty five points for five guys who are fanatics. Uh, I think it's one way of also saying that they're not fanatics, but they do have this special rule which is essentially fanatics. No, they're fanatics. The, the reason why they're a bit cheaper is that they're shirkers, which is a really bad special rule. Um, well, I mean, I, I played played some shirkers today. I, I think it's not as necessarily as bad as you might think. Um, if you don't get pinned, you're fine. <laughs> well, no, it's as long as you have, as long as you have their shepherds yeah. around. And in, in, certainly in Budapest, it wasn't, it wasn't even just the normal chain dogs. They had the Feldjäger Corps in there who were like, man, you didn't, that's a German military police unit, but you couldn't join unless you had the Iron Cross. Um, so they are super hardcore units. T- today I tried running that with regular, uh, well, not even regular, I mean, normal um, field police keeping the um, Strafbutt guys moving. And it was easy enough to pick out those four guys because they're. Um, inexperienced but if you had a couple of units of those dudes or indeed any penal unit but your your guys that keep them motivated and stop them being shirkers are hardcore veterans suddenly that the way that that works in the synergy of the the mm. list becomes very different absolutely oh and that can be good if you, if they have the support units to make, make sure they can get where they need to be but if you just have this shirker unit by itself it's just going to no no go I've, down. I've never i've crap. tried that with Ostruppen and all sorts yep. of units like that and it's never worked but i've sometimes i've been able to pull it off with ostensibly regular strafbart units as long as they're within 6 inches of the police unit they're not shirkers yeah, but then the police unit almost becomes like a fulcrum or a uh, like a keystone. Is that as soon yes. as you take that out, the whole thing collapses. Yeah. So your opponent, all they've got to look at and go, well, I've just got to get rid of those four guys and this part of the army will mm-hmm. essentially stop working. Mm-hmm. It, yeah, I mean, you say the word shepherd, it's more like you want them behind a house, kind of like just shouting out around the corner saying, you go, boys, you're fine. Go, on, go, go, go. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, so it, I, I don't yeah. think it works very well when the, the um, MP unit is inexperienced because they're just as likely to fail their order check yeah, exactly or right. get killed easily. But um, if that unit is a uh, field Jaeger Corps guys on motorbikes with assault rifles, That's cool. that becomes different. Yeah, no, know? I agree completely. Because they can move very quickly to where they're needed to yeah. start motivating yeah, if you, stuff. If you keep them mobile, then yeah, absolutely. That's a really cool thing to have. But yeah, it's like I said, I think if it were me playing you, I think I, when I played you today, I got lucky in... I took them out. They were in the house, and you you just managed to shoot them all up in the in the yeah, house. Yeah, and then you failed a break test, and yeah. that was it. But yeah, it's it's one of those things that like I mean it's yeah it's 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 the keystone principle. It's as soon as you take the keystone away, the whole thing just kind of collapses. And I don't really like units where you know x amount of my troops rely on these four three or four guys to kind of operate the way they should. Well, but, I, mean, I mean the the the, the, the the way that that came about was originally. I was taking the piss with the the list that I wanted to take to bear, which was in a 
point list how many of the most bizarre rules in the books <laughs> can, can I squeeze into it. So I was originally going to have Volksturm, Volkgrenadiers, Strafbart, military police. Um, it it wasn't intended yeah, to okay. be right. cool. It was just to – well, it wasn't intended to be effective. It was intended to just Working. go, how many weird rules that will stack on top of each other can we squash yeah, into yeah, this list? Yeah. Um, it didn't turn out that way in the end when I sat down and started going through the numbers. Um, it's like it you was were too like, difficult. I'm going to take the piss and Rubes is like, we've got uh, Badgicon coming up. Hold my beer. I'll show you taking the piss. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk get, about that. We'll, we'll talk about we'll that get in a bit. It's so good. Now, just moving forward, boys. Um, just to round out the Hungarians. Um, so, I mean, they've got their uh, Hungarian support um, group, basically, which is uh, the lieutenant um, a machine gun, I think, and maybe one other thing. Um, so that's some new models, but they're just all basic. But what they, what what um, is really cool, I think, um, is their new armored car. It's the um, Kasaba 39M. Um, I don't think it's actually got. Uh, I can't actually see it in this book, um, but it's probably in the armies of Italy and the Allies. Oh, sorry, and, and the Axis or whatever. Um, book, but basically, uh, it's 85 points. It's regular. It's um, it's an armored car, of course. Um, it's recce at armor seven, um, and the armament is an anti-tank rifle with a coax MMG, um, which is quite interesting. Um, it's actually the opposite of your tank hunter. I think it's got a, a worse gun. It's got the ATR, but the MMG is better. So I reckon you're probably not shooting the ATR very much, uh, and just like firing off the MMG. Uh, what do you reckon about that one? Like, with yeah, no, neither here nor there. Yeah. To to me, I guess. Um, one of, one of the other other ones I I noticed that was in there is um, you can take one of the Semavantes, I think. Uh, it, that one? Italian light tank. Oh, interesting. Mm. Uh, which which I think is attached to like either German or Hungarian police units mm-hmm. inside inside Budapest. Um, you know. Nice, flavorful unit. Yeah. Um, I think it'll just get squashed by an IS-2 or... Yeah. You know, oh, I mean, it's cute. T-34-85. I mean, like, it's only 85 points. So, like, it's basically a mobile MMG. Um, you can fire the ATR if you really want to. Um, you can recce. Uh, so, I mean, it's a nice nice bit of flavor for the Hungarians to have, you know, an actual model as well um, out for Warlord for one of their vehicles so they don't have to rely so much on all the German vehicles. Um, so, I mean, look, that's, that might just do it for the Hungarians for now in terms of the new units. Um, Jail, I know... Uh, yeah, so let's, a let's of have a look at the, the, the German units. Now, the, the first one I think that's um, really important in this is the revamped Panzergrenadiers. Yep. Um, I, I think in the fullness of time, the, the entry for, for this Panzergrenadier unit represents them much better than the, the standard one. Um, hopefully it, it gets updated on Easy Army so that uh, you know that rule just goes everywhere. Um, it changes the way that you mount and dismount. Um, well, it doesn't fundamentally change it, but if you fail your order check to get out of the vehicle, you re-roll it. Um, ditto getting back back in, although as we just discussed, we don't tend to see that happening very much. You, you jump out of your battle taxi and off you go. Uh, you don't tend to get back in it that much. But the other thing that um, plays off that as well is your um, <clears throat> uh, lieutenant's um, snap to it and his uh, order bubble works from being inside the vehicle, 
which is somewhat unique as far as I can tell. Yeah, so I think that's in the theatre selectors. Yes, it's yeah, it's in it's in the theatre selector. Um, it's a Panzer Grenadier um, theatre selector. So you're looking at um, two fifty and two fifty one um, Hannah mags, but uh, your your dude keeps shouting orders at guys and they keep obeying it, uh, which is pretty cool. Um, I think that will go some way to redressing the um, perceived overcosting of of the half tracks yep. as, as opposed to trucks but you could still use it you can still truck. take trucks as well sure. yeah yeah i think it's really powerful but i mean like you it's one of your favorite tactics i know jail and i know a lot of people um in the area do this as well but basically you know you put a um, unit of you know beefed up veterans or whatever in a um, in a truck with a flamethrower and you want to get them out so this really gives you a bit of insurance policy if, mm-hmm. you, if you take a couple of pins on the way in really being able to make sure you get oh, out. Yeah, it, it's it's just great in terms of not being the sitting duck sitting inside your transport vehicle um, when you've already got X pins and now you're hanging out in the open. At least you can get those guys off there and into some kind of cover. With a bit of luck, you'll be within six-inch range of something that will uh, put you in a better position. Really, there is no worse position than being in the middle of – in the open – sitting in the back of a truck while there's a tank yep. lining you up. You want to get off that thing. Yeah. And I mean, like it really just shows like these guys were trained, you know, like to, to take advantage of, you know, their armored transports and, you know, that that was where their role, right? To, to roll up and just get out, um, uh, you know, and safely and as quickly as they can. So, I mean, I think this rule really, rep- uh, well, it does a great job in representing, you know, what their function and role is on the battlefield. Absolutely. Um, the other stuff that's, that's, Interesting, I think, in there is um, those same rules apply to pioneers, yep. which is great, but they can also be regulars, so you don't necessarily have to take the veteran tax to get the flamethrower in there and moving. Oh, so uh, grenadiers and pioneers in like the German reinforced platoon, that you can, they, do they have to be veteran? Usually, yes. Okay. Uh, well, yeah. Grenadiers don't, but uh, pioneers do. Okay. Yeah, pioneers, you can now take a rig. But Sneaky Cheese, I've actually found your new favorite vehicle. Are you ready for it? Yep. So it is the Polizzi M1542. It's on page Polizzi. 109. Polizzi, thank you very much. 145 points at regular. It is an Armour 8 light tank. One turret-mounted light anti-tank gun with two coaxial MMGs and two forward-facing MMGs. There you go, Papa Stewart. Uh, <laughs> Papa Stewartovich. <laughs> Holy fuck! One hundred and forty-five points. That's what I was talking about. Twenty MMG shots. That was what I was talking about about the captured. Italian vehicles that were showing up in there. It's my, pretty my, cool. The, 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 best, the best bit is that it specifically mentions that it doesn't benefit from Hitler's buzzsaw because, Jesus, like, if that's... <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that would really be, be right. The best bit is the write-up about the combat history of these vehicles during the battle for Budapest. Uh, getting run over by there, IS. There 12, I told you. 12 of them uh, that fought in the battle. Um, obviously, the Soviets just had utter disregard for the, the combat capability of these tanks. Uh, and I quote, um, hopelessly obsolete, the 12th Panzer Polizei Company 
War Diary records many of their tanks were simply rammed and flipped over by the Soviets in their much heavier T-34-85s. It's like just Soviet speed bumps. Just spit them, <laughs> flip them over on their back. I, I promise yeah. you... Ramming that, speed, comrade. <laughs> I, I promise you they're not hopelessly obsolete in bold action. Oh my no, God, they're no. beasts. Well, I mean, we, we've talked about this so many times about how the most obsolete shit in terms of armor is actually the most actually, effective really, on the table. Look at, look at Panzer 1's for early war lists. Yeah. Win MMGs with Buzzsaw on it. I mean, for 65, 70 points. Mm-hmm. Ka-ching. Um, there's some other interesting uh, lists in there. So th- there aren't many new units, right? Um, yeah, so I think we've we've touched on those on, on yeah. the new units. Is there it's, anything? Is there any new the units for Soviets? Uh, not so much new, new units, they're selectors. Um, Mounted uh, Reconnaissance Squad, uh, Buddha Volunteer Regiment Section. Uh, it, it, the, oh, actually, actually talk about what about lend lease vehicles? Yeah, it actually does do a good job of um, with the lend lease because I think this is uh, one of the you know kind of campaigns where the Soviets were really taking advantage of them. Presumably, they'd lost a lot of T-34s in the last few years. Um, what, what we will touch on quickly is just the Romanians. So they've got um, a new a new unit, which I really like. Um, I think it's probably uh, very strong, um, but it's basically the Mountain Division... Uh, sorry, the Mountain Division section. Um, so it, it basically comes with uh, seven, seven veteran dudes for 98 points. You can add some extra guys in there. A couple of submachine guns and a Panzerfaust is your options. But their special rule is Mountaineers. So this unit will treat all rough ground as open ground. Oh my God, that is so powerful. Um, that just means you're always running. You're not, you, know, you know, you can wade through different types of terrain. I mean, it does have come with the caveat that players should discuss and agree before the game if the gaming table uh, includes some terrain that they think this uh, rule should not apply to because basically uh, mountaineers, you know, like maybe they shouldn't be able to go through water features. <laughs> but, yeah, or ruins or, or something or like that. Or stuff like yeah. that. But yeah. I mean, like... Uh, I think it's very. I think it's very powerful if you if you play it literally. Yeah, I I think it's powerful, but it's powerful because it's really the only unique ar- unit in that army. Yeah, you know, the it's it's there to give a it a theme, but there's not other than that. There's not a lot to it. So make of that what you will. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, they've got some yeah combat pioneers, but yeah, they're just basically uh, just regular dudes, and um, they can take mining mine clearing gear. Um, you know, all that kind of stuff. They can have a flamethrower in there, which is pretty cool. Um, but yeah, look, we, um, I think, I think the meat of this book is in the theater selectors. And I think that, again, they've just done a really good job of adding some special rules that, um, you know, help, help the army, but also give it some weaknesses and, you know, it takes away, um, and makes the, om- the options quite limited. Um, so we might, um, start with the Germans. So, I mean, uh, Jay, okay, we've yeah. touched on the pan- yeah, panzer yeah. Panzer um, there's there's some there's a very very cool Panzer reconnaissance mm-hmm. list in there, and I think that this has been a a, a weakness in the options available um, for German armored lists for for a long time. There there was some steps towards addressing that I think in Market Garden, um, but this this one is better. So um, you can take. Zero to two armored cars, and they can be. You can count your Panzer II Luchs as an armored car in that selector. Yep. So you could potentially be rocking a Panzer IV and two uh, Panzer IIs in the same list, mm-hmm. um, which I think is pretty cool. Um, 
And in the select, you can take the new uh, Creditution squad. Uh, yeah. With their three LMGs. Oh, whatever. <laughs> um, no, nothing matters. You can also take, uh, you know, like because it's the Reconnaissance Platoon, you can um, actually take uh, the SDKFZ half-tracks, Cuba wagons and Shimon wagons now, but there's, there's as some, recce for 10 there, points. There's some traps for the unwary in that. Um, the half-tracks that they can take are the five-man half-tracks. Yeah. So unless you come to an arrangement about splitting a 10-man squad across two transports, which is never going to happen, you're down to five-man squads. Yeah. I mean, that. more transporting teams. Which is yeah. probably good. So, and you're, you're also going to need a bunch of um, Kuba wagons and horses to do that because you can't run it the same way that you do your LRDG where you might have a squad of bros and the mortar in it. Yeah. Each one has to have its own transport. Yeah. Uh, which was why I was saying, geez, I'm going to have to find someone to 3D print me mm-hmm. a bunch of cheap kubels and, and horses to make that you work. you want to take a very theme list, like you want to take, uh, like, you know, sort of like a very theme, Panzergrenadiers, everyone gets their own half track. But unfortunately, it's, it just doesn't, it lacks the punch because the minute they get out, do they come with an MMG? The five uh, half track? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you end up with a five man half track. I mean I imagine that's about a hundred points. Uh no, they're cheaper than that. A little bit cheaper. About so seventy five. So okay, yeah, five man okay, five man transport capacity. Yeah, it's it's a lot of points to put down for it mm-hmm. than just like a, an armored medium machine gun. Yeah, sure. You, you don't need to more. put them in those, so they can be in um uh the field cars, which are I think thirty five yeah. points. How many people can get in a field car? Six. Six. Mm-hmm. Is that really? is that what the swim wagon is? No, swim wagon? wagon's a kubel that can go in in the yes. water. Oh, yeah. of course. It's mm. like, uh, I forgot how literal the German language is. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, no, I mean like oh, I mean recce with the kubel wagons really good. Mm-hmm. Like That's kubel nice. wagons are good. Yeah. But also recce in in a half track. If, it's the the, the, the motor the uh, right? motorbike troops. I think yeah. are interesting in that. Now, that's, one, that's one of my observations, and, and what I'd really hoped, given that many of the German troops in Budapest were cavalry units yeah. originally, that there would be an option to have them mounted um, as they were before the front pushed all the way into Budapest and they had to eat the horses. Yeah. Um, you know, you could probably get away with adapting that in a combination of this theatre selector and... Uh, the generic ones, you, you you wouldn't get the two, unfortunately, the two Panzer twos. Do you believe that this book is going to uh, supplement people who like to play competitively or is this just... This garage? is themey. This it's is just theme, themey, they, yeah. They, theme games and garage, right? Yeah, I think yeah, so. Cool. I mean, there, there would be things you could, if you're of that frame of mind, and I am to a, to a certain degree, that when a new book comes out, I'll go through looking for the, the sneaky cheese, literally. Like, the way that combos stack on each other, or the way that you can um, play it for advantage. I don't necessarily always do it, but I try and find how it could be done because it teaches you something about the way that lists are constructed and the way that the books are written yeah and it depends on the event as well like some some events do allow theater selectors and i'm sure plenty of them are fine i think that this panzer recon um, reinforced platoon for example is definitely fine because you're paying a big premium to get every all of those um you know squads into those uh half tracks which sure. can't fit that but you could if you are of that frame of mind mm-hmm. take two platoons so you've got a panzer four two um panzer twos 
in there and the absolute minimum of troops in that one. And then your secondary squad is on foot with all of your heavy gear. Why does Uh, the secondary squad need to be on foot? Because you don't need to take pay for the transports for all of them. Why not? Because it's really expensive and it's not that not actually all that great. But it doesn't say here that you have... Yeah, you know, you take, you, take, you take one reconnaissance platoon and one regular. No, I think that it has to be the same. If you're, if you're running the platoon, like if you're running dual platoons, it has to be the same selector. Oh, do they really? Yeah, oh, yeah, okay, sure. right. Okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I think this... That's this, probably Captain Obvious thing that I've just missed there no, somewhere. Right. I mean, I think this is nice. I mean, like you're very limited with infantry. That's the problem, but you could do some nice things. Um Speaking of yep. limited infantry, the uh, next selector is yeah, quite interesting. I was about to move to that one. <laughs> the heavy anti-aircraft battery reinforced platoon. Oh, this boy. Is a doozy. <laughs> so, minimum, uh, second or first lieutenant, or Leutnant in German, off Deutsch, uh, two artillery units from either, uh, from 88mm um, Flak 36 dual purpose AA or AT guns, plus zero to two artillery units of 88s as well. Zero to three anti-aircraft guns from 20mm Flak 38s. Um, we move on to headquarters. Uh, zero to one ca- Captain Major, one Medic, zero one uh, Medic, zero to one Forward Observer, either artillery or air. Infantry squads and teams, zero to two infantry squads from late war Grenadiers, late war veteran Grenadiers, reserve on Ved. Uh, division section assault pioneer section Hungarian zero to one MMG team Hungarian or German uh, zero to one transport or tow vehicle per infantry and artillery unit in the reinforced platoon and it's a mixture of mainly uh, half tracks um, yeah pretty much half tracks trucks heavy fuel cars but that's a lot of eighty eight oh uh, yeah I mean look there there was a not entirely dissimilar list in Market Garden. Actually, there's a uh, Panzer Flak unit in there. there there's up, a actually. there's a precedent for it. I mean, how an eighty eight is about one hundred and sixty points, I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Regular. So I don't know how many you're going to be squeezing well, in there. Before but... you're looking at six hundred and forty points in a twelve fifty point list. Yeah, that's that's viable to get four Flak eighty eights. I'm not saying it's going to win you games, but if mm-hmm. you rolled up to an event with that, I. Have a feeling you do some damage because it's a dual purpose, super heavy anti tank gun with a medium howitzer attached mm-hmm. to it. You can take and a spotter it, for each one as well. Spotter with each one. It's a seven man crew with a gun shield. And if you're a meta fuck like uh, Sneaky Cheese over here, you're going to base all of your guys circled, the, you know, circling around the gun. I, I some <laughs> no 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 no. Apparently, like apparently, obscure ritual. Yeah yeah yeah. But apparently though, some somebody pointed out to me that. According to rules as as written, each model must be within two inches of the breach. Breach, But you cannot get eight models within two inches of the breach of a of a flak eighty eight. Yeah, it makes no sense. That that works if it's a light howitzer. Sure, yeah, a three man crew. Absolutely, you can do that. But even so, even if I have a three man crew on a gun, I'm still going to put a commander out off to the side, and I don't do it to be meta. I don't do it to. Mm. I took because it looks the way that it probably should. Yeah. You got two guys working the gun, loading, firing, shooting, and then you got the guy who stands off to the side, mm. designating targets and seeing what's going on. I, I just base them. It's more about the the painting and the basing that I, I like to get them on the same base and stuck down to it, um, because otherwise, yeah, it's really tricky trying to have slotting um, 
modular basis that you can pull on and off that stuff. But anyway, that's a bit of a yeah for sure digression. Well, I, mean, th- I think this is a cool th- um, selector. You're probably not using it in competitive play. No. I, th- I um, think it's this is a prime example of the selectors in this book being very thematic, very yeah, for sure story driven and, and very um, narrative about what they're designed to do and what they're designed about. Um, I mean, it's a well, prime example. Th- there is one in there which is the head kicker. The yep. uh, the Russian we'll get Russian there. assault we'll get there. one. Oh, we, we're, <laughs> we're just going in yeah. chronological order. Yeah, right? yeah, okay. for sure. Just so we you know we don't lose track of where we actually are. Um, uh, but I mean, is, is any other of the German ones that's probably worth noting? Um, the Cheryl? the defenders of the Budapest pocket one is really cool because it as as I mentioned before, it's a it's a completely blended Hungarian and German. Mm-hmm. list you you can pretty much take any of these um german and hungarian units that we've been discussing so far and uh and blend them up together yeah yeah for sure that's definitely uh one of my favorite parts of this book actually is being able to run um those mixed platoons as we kind of spoke about before um which i guess segues nicely into a couple of the hungry um theater selectors so i mean the first one here we've got the carpathian mountains border guards um, reinforced platoon. Uh, so this is another cool one um, where they've got a special rule called Guardians of the Frontier, um, which is kind of nice and themey. Um, uh, the the Hungarian player basically can re-roll the dice off um, to decide who is uh, the defender in any scenario that has the attacker defender. And I guess that really um, plays into it that you know they were a very defensive force as well. Um, and in addition, this platoon res- receives D3 plus one hard cover defenses, each six plus, uh, so, sorry, six inches in length and counting as a linear obstacle. So they can basically deploy a bunch of um, walls or, um, you know, obstacles like that at the start of the game. Barbed wire, yeah, but, yeah, barbed wire entanglement. Defensive. Now, I mean, that's a really funky rule. Again, like really cool for um, theme play. Would you, uh, would you like to see something like that in competitive play? I would I would be happy to play against it, but I'm always cautious about stuff that is either free or just just built into the list that really changes the 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 meta that someone's not going to be familiar with. I mean, like the the Italian free fortifications or whatever. Okay, never n- I've never played against it where it's been a big big thing, but. Yeah. I could see a lot of head scratching about exactly how that works until it becomes a bit more familiar. Yeah, I mean, to people. I'd like to see. I mean, it, it's hard because I'd like to see some of these theatre selectors in. Um, and I think this, like, just looking at you know what's available to the to the selector um, in terms of the units, like, it's pretty limited. Like, there's no um, you know armored cars, there's no tanks. You can only have four infantry squads, um, which you, I guess you can get another infantry squad if you. Uh, run three of the same thing. Well, one I of think one, one of the strengths of this, of this book is actually how tightly controlled it is that um, if you look at the units that are available, um, you know, if you're really familiar with the, the German list, yeah. no permas. Um, yep. A lot of those staple units are, are either not there at all or they're only available inexperienced. Like the, there's a lot of stuff there that makes it, you get your bonuses, but man, you certainly have to weigh up that cost yeah and that just comes down to somebody who's written a book which is it's tight it's it's very it, 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 it's watertight like it's really well written um and, you know props to brian for writing such a good book and it is 
I was saying this to you guys before, I really hope that the Hungary book now becomes the gold standard. Is that what that that's what every other army of, you know, every other theatre book or every other, you know, book that comes out now is written to. Um I know that uh, fellow Bakenberger Hari Turner is currently working on a book. Um, best of luck. I hope it's as good as this one. I'm sure it will be because he's, he's very, very passionate. But yeah, looking at what Brian's turned out, um, it's, it's well presented. Uh, the, the models in there look fantastic. You know, big props to Brian and, uh, you know, uh, Patch and uh, Seamus and all the other guys who uh, provided models for that. And also uh, to the Berwick, Stan and Tazzy, for providing that oh, yeah. fantastic looking terrain. Um, this is a really gorgeous, great book. Like it, it makes me want to read it cover to cover. And I don't really operate that way with these books. They kind of come out, I flick through, I look for the new units to kind of see what's what's changed. Have a look. The at cheese selected. Fuck you. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm about I'm about as uncheesy as they come at the moment. I, I've de-cheesed myself, mm-hmm. and um, and I'm still copping flack. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you, you're saying I haven't I've mm-hmm. got to get the grader out a bit more and mm-hmm. just yeah. getting it getting it from that reinforced flak platoon mm-hmm. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'll, I'll throw four flak 88s at you you fucking love it but yeah this is a it's 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 bloody fantastic it's really really cool and just going on there like just the setups and the dioramas in, in this book I'm just I'm looking at one on uh, towards the end of the book here and it's Soviet Naval Brigade uh, sneaking in at night to snatch a prisoner and they're going up these stairs it looks like you know, like an ancient wall or something and it's just gorgeous I mean the the composition of that picture and the way it's put together it tells a story just from putting some models and some well, I d- I'd, I'd listened to a um, an interview with uh, with Brian about how the photographs were were taken and um, the the attention to detail that went into the lighting and the um, the technicality of of um, producing the photographs, I, I was really, really impressed. And they've with, really with recreated that. some of those scenes, haven't they? Like, yeah. particularly the iconic um, uh, shot of the plane, um, you know, crashing stuck in, the building. Stuck in the building, yeah. yeah. And they like, and they recreated that, um, you know, to a T. And it's like, just, as you said, attention to detail. Like, come on, that's amazing. I do have one gripe about this book, though. Uh-huh. I will say there is one gripe about the art in this book. It's the back cover. The picture of the Soviet assault engineer firing a submachine gun one-handed with a grenade in the other. It's just awkward. That angle he's holding that submachine gun is just plain awkward. There is no way you could let off a burst and retain control over that weapon. On he's going to be end. shooting up the ceiling any, if, if any he's second. he's still holding that gun. That's my well, it's, it's, it's very, it is very 40K, but he's about to throw a grenade. Um, so potentially he's like giving some covering fire... Quite Before clearly, you're not aware of great Soviet grenade throwing <laughs> skills, comrade, and uh, commas are coming to see you tonight. My my no, only my only experience. gripe with it, and it's it's really such a mate a minor one, um, is that the many of the German units um, that are detailed in there are essentially dismounted cavalry units. Um, there isn't a list for them in the earlier stages of the campaign before they'd eaten the horses. Um, I would have liked to have seen a combined mechanized cavalry list in there somewhere. Um, but man, that's such a small thing to, to 
have a, have a go at. I think from um yeah from the interview I listened to from Brian um you know like there's so much obviously and you've got to be very selective about what actually goes in. Um, I think what how many t- um scenarios are, are there like fifteen or something? And he 15, said yeah. he said there's a heap more that he that could have made the cut, but you he, you know like he needed to be selective and kind of I don't know uh, give players a different experience with the content in the book. Um. I mean, like, I think he found the right balance there. Yeah, you heard it here first, folks. Uh, part two of the Hungry Book coming soon. Uh, Brian's mm. probably working on it as we speak. Uh, yes. Well, <laughs> well talk, talk, talking of the Hungry Book. Um, no, look, so we've also got the Budapest Pocket Defenders Reinforced Platoon, which, again, like, it's that's a Hungary and Germany uh, platoon, which is a multinational force. Um it's it's got another um, cool little rule with the street barricades. You can have D three d- defensive positions, which are all six inch linear obstacles. Um, basically, a mix of different things. Um, uh, you know, again, we've touched on this. Don't need to go delve into it too far. But no, no, I'd love to see uh, some some of these mixed uh, platoons. Well, I I want to get a uh, yeah. If we do this this table that we're talking about, which mm-hmm. is a sort of dock dockyard thing with the boats on it. You know, it would be cool to have the wrecked trams as um, things that can be slotted into in between the buildings to block off the streets. And uh, there's someone, I think it's that crew in New Zealand you were talking about, um, that do a really nice laser cut. Um, there's an intact one and a ruined version uh, that they OTP they do. OTP printing, I think. I think they actually based in WA. No, so New Zealand. The New Zealand ones are from Titan uh, Terrain, um, and they've they've done some really nice work. Um, Tristan, you've been in contact with the ti- uh, the Titan Terrain Bros, haven't you? Uh, yeah, mate. Uh, they came up recently and um, some of the stuff that they were starting to punch out was very cool. Um, I reached out and contacted him and um, yeah, some of the stuff they're cooking up is, is next level. Um, we're really lucky in this sort of little neck of the woods that we've got you know guys like Viv from uh, Knights of Dice who just pumps out consistently excellent terrain. Um, but you know, I always like to see a little bit of uh, a little bit of variety, and um, yeah, Titan terrain in New Zealand definitely coming up with that in spades. And um, yeah, we're hoping that uh, we'll be getting a bit of that, uh, painting it up for the website, and um, you guys will be able to sort of see what it looks like. And Melbourne players, uh, I think Sneaky Cheese and I are going to start working on a, a new board, um, Stalingrad themed, but you know, definitely not the Stalingrad that maybe you're used to. But um, yeah, definitely Titan are just yeah they're, they're kicking goals at the moment, and um, I look forward to kind of seeing what else they come out with. They've just um, Joe's just done a really cool um, new German gunship, uh, hasn't he? Yeah, mate. I'm just trying to bring up a photo now so I can show the boys. But uh, <laughs> well, we can't, so you we can, can't you can show you, show you yeah, over radio. Oh, 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 it's a visual medium. I'll That's describe fine. it in painstaking yes. detail so that so, uh, no. Yeah. Look, if if you're listening out there, go check out Titan uh, Terrain from New Zealand. Great, great yeah. stuff. Um, look, yeah. just going to the Soviet Union, boys. Um, so this is the, the the one we're talking about before. This is the Urban Assault Group Reinforced Platoon, and. Um, I mean, I really love this um, uh, this platoon, and I think it's really like I think it's really strong, particularly when you're playing on a four by four board when you don't do have play, the do they range play support. When they roll under the board, the what? Do they play Limp Biscuit when they roll under the board? <laughs> I don't understand Rube's that reference. <laughs> I don't understand that reference because I don't. I'm not a fan of Limp Biscuit. Um, they're you, jerks. You love the biscuit. Come on. 
Jail loves the biscuit. You love the biscuit. Oh, man. No, no don't even get me started on new metal. <laughs> what? No, Limp Bizkit sucks. So you know what happened? So a few years ago, um, one of my favorite bands um, where it was basically doing a cover of one of the Limp Bizkit songs. Um, it was a really cool. I think it was Break Stuff and it was like a heavy metal cover of it and it was really cool. And then they, Limp Bizkit sent them a cease and desist letter. They were just playing it live. You know, they weren't making really any money off it, but they were assholes about it. So fuck Limp Bizkit. Uh, wow. They got yeah. dirsted. They <laughs> got, got dirsted. Dirsted. Nah, dirsted in the schnutz. Nah, fuck those guys. Now, look, the Urban Assault Group. So, like, this is, this is again, one of the theatre selectors where, um, you know, they're all specialised units. Um, the Soviet player doesn't get the quantity, has a quality of its own special rules, so they're not getting... Um, any inexperienced infantry for free and they can't take any infantry or artillery units uh, as inexperienced. They have uh, zero to four infantry squads, which are all SMG squads. Um, one can be an assault pioneer squad um, and you can have a guard squad as well. Um, you can have zero to three uh, MMGs or lighthouses. You can have zero to two flamethrowers. Wow! You can have uh, uh, no, zero to three anti-tank rifle teams, a sniper team, a mortar team. Then you can also have an artillery, uh, so uh, an artillery piece like a Ziz three divisional gun, a heavy howitzer, or a medium howitzer. So basically, what that's saying is you can have three light howitzers and a heavy howitzer all in the one list. Interesting enough, though, when you go to the uh, tanks uh, slot for it, there's nothing more than a medium tank, essentially. I mean, all right, the T-34-85 could be considered a light, heavy tank, but that's that's the biggest you get out of it. You've got an SU-76M uh, assault gun, T-34, T-34-85, an OT-34, or a Lend-Lease M4 Sherman, and that's it. So it is pretty limited on the armour side of things. Yeah, there's no army cars or anything, but this is like obviously like a, a you know a, a rush up kind of close close range support yeah. with the with the how like the light howitzers get up with the SMGs and the flamethrowers and it, really just put on the hurt. Trans- transports missing as well. So if yeah. you try and use that in a non-urban context, yeah, you're you're getting a lot of artillery fire coming in, but those SMG guys are not going to be in range for quite yeah, some it, time it, as they come up. It lives up to its name as an urban assault group. I mean, it's a sort of group you'd send into a, a smashed up factory that needs clearing out because the, the enemy have dug into it and burrowed in like rats and you need to send someone in to flush them out. I mean, that's really what they're designed for. And give, give the best men the best equipment and just go for it. Like, here's a strong point. You need to go and capture that at all costs, right? Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. It's like it's the cool funky, uh, cool funky edition. Look, um, minor segue. Just you, when you said give the give the best guys the best equipment, um, yeah, I'm I'm really sorry for this, but I, I got really excited. Um, have you guys watched Love, Death, and Robots on yeah, Netflix? Yeah, Have you seen the last episode, the Russians? Uh, with the demonic creatures oh coming out of the god. Yeah. Oh my fucking god! Seriously, just give me two seasons of that. 24 episodes per season, I'll be happy. No, I, I, I like the dinosaur fighting one. I yeah. thought that was I, fucking dude, sick. Dude, suits, the one where they were in the mechs, like fighting. Yeah, that was cool, yeah. like Spoiler alert, I still have this on my list of things to watch. Oh, no, we haven't spoiled anything. <laughs> like Seriously, the cool thing is, each episode, anywhere between 7 to 11 minutes long, and I think oh, man, what it what it strikes me as being so much like, do you remember the heavy the heavy metal heavy movie? Metal. Yeah. 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 Well, the funny thing is, if you read the trivia on IMDb, that's the, that was the um, that's the genesis for it. Is mm-hmm. they wanted to do something like heavy metal but make it visual. Yeah. And I'm just like, fuck! Literally, give me give me like. Do you remember the South Park heavy metal episode? No. Oh, there, there's a, a early well about mid range um, South Park episode where they 
essentially just hang shit on the heavy metal movie the whole way. Oh, right. Okay. The, okay, the movie. Yeah. Yeah. But the movie's great. Um, the movie's not bad. So the whole context of that is about, you know, oh, you have to go and fight in Nepopolis in the Bresti area. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, interesting trivia fact. Heavy metal, um, a.k.a. Metal Hillant. The, yep. the French magazine was saved by bankruptcy from all the money that you spent as kids buying Ninja Turtles. No shit, really. Kevin Eastman, who Eastman. did, who did um, Ninja Turtles, bought Heavy Metal yeah. because it was nearly bankrupt yep. in, what, 1994 or something like that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it's continuing existence. They still publish it. It's still great. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I love buying it. Oh, from time to time um, but yeah it exists today because uh, Kevin Eastman had all that money from the Ninja Turtle toys that was, I, yeah, doubt, I don't doubt that you bought money spinner but yeah so sorry about the uh, sorry about the, the segue um, but yeah I'm going to segue it, back speaking of heavy metal go for the it. guards mechanized brigade armored platoon how's that for a- <laughs> Lockie's just lost it he's just lost I'm it I'm offering you the mic what do you want I'm done. I'm, 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 I'm done trying to guide this this podcast, this, this train wreck of a podcast. No, go on. No, go on, Rubes. Come on. Bring us home. So this one uh, starts off, it's it's basically a um, armoured platoon uh, looking at it. So you, you need a command vehicle uh, chosen from your T-34s, IS-2, Sherman M4A2 uh, with a 75mm or a 76mm gun. Um, and then two more vehicles of the same type of tank. Um, then you can add on a whole long list of different vehicles there uh, from more T-34s. Um, never have enough T-34s. Um, interesting enough, there's quite a bit of Lend-Lease in there, um, some Shermans. The M17 uh, multi-machine gun uh, carrier in there as well. Um, and then you can move on to uh, tank, obviously uh, tank riders, um, a few other squads there. But um, it's, it's quite interesting. This one also comes with the uh, with the specialised unit rule with uh, no uh, no free squad attached to this one. This is all about um, the guys that've been there, done that, uh, which follows up another rule of honour of the guards. Uh, so a unit awarded the with the honorific title of, of guards uh, has that high expectation to perform. So again, this uh, this is a Soviet. Uh, list that actually gets that removed uh, D2 pins instead of the usual one where they pass an order check. So here's an example of that rule being being put onto another nation where it's uh, where it really adds to the story and the fluff behind the um, the theatre selector. And it gives a bit more um, you know oomph to guard squads, and guard squads are meant to be quite re- like really strong. You know, like you know, like kind of the elite soldiers of the 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 red army and i don't think that's reflected by um the the guard squad entry in the soviet book yeah i agree agreed yeah um so this kind of gives that nice little touch um interestingly enough you can only take uh zero to three infantry squads um in this this selector so i mean yeah again it's just just really limited um oh yeah so look i mean i don't think there's too much more in uh the soviets um but uh, there is a nice one in so in uh, for Romania. Um, so the 1944 Allied Romanian Infantry Division. Um, they've got a few cool special rules. Um, so Stalin's cannon fodder. So that's basically the uh, 
the the French ver uh, sorry it's like the Romanian version of the French special rule where you can get um so if you've got three inexperienced squads you can get you get the extra, extra one, one yeah but this also applies for uh for regular um squads so you can take three regular um squads and get a free regular squad which is kind of nice that's pretty cool actually absolutely um and a, a nice little rule as well uh, it probably won't come up very often unless you're playing super themed games um, but it's a nice touch is ancestral enemies so when it, whenever a Romanian and, and Hungarian unit are engaged in an assault both sides units count as having the fanatic special rule so you know like these two are very bitter sides yeah they have, have got a long history um, of fighting and uh, you know they're going to go in and they're just going to take you know they're just going to beat the shit out of each other and I think that's really cool it's interesting because, I mean, Romanians aren't something that we've really seen on the Melbourne scene. I, I really can't recall having seen anyone run a Romanian force. Um, no, they're very niche, aren't they? I, I do have one sitting on my painting table. But of course you do. <laughs> Tristan's just shaking his head at me. You're, you're a menace, mate. Um, uh, look, uh, and there's a, look, there is a couple of special rules just like, and this is kind of like smattered in a few of this... Um, theater selectors but basically they give um some some free moves at the start of the, the start of the game um if you're basically in the first wave or if you've been deployed you can um do a an advanced move um which can't be true you can't trigger ambush in this and basically it's just another an extra bit forward that you move which i think uh is again like some tactical uh you know flexibility there you gotta be careful that you don't put yourself out too far unsupported um we, like what do you guys think? Is that? Yeah, I mean, it's it's just Rangers lead the way again. Yeah, yeah. Um, but that's that's cool. It's fluffy. Yeah, know. I think. I mean, so, uh, this applies to um, some vehicles as well. So it's not just infantry. So uh, ah, okay, yeah. Super interesting things you can do for that. Yeah, so they actually, uh, if you look at the forward detachment reconnaissance party uh, reinforced platoon for the Soviets, uh, they have a rule called set the pace, which is essentially that. Yeah. Um, so all armoured cars and transport vehicles with at least one unit inside are allowed to make that 12-inch move uh, after everyone's uh, set up. So that's uh, very interesting. Especially, well, yeah, you could just jump on someone yeah, so quickly you could, with turn that. One, you? Yeah. Turn one, you yeah. could have those squads right up there. Um, but, it's yeah, like deep, deep strike in a M3 40K or something. Game. <laughs> yeah. It really is. But again, you've got, to, you've got to be so careful because like you could, you could theoretically have that flamethrower firing turn one. But it's like if you put yourself out there unsupported, you, you could just get shot but, up. But see, that's the interesting thing with that particular theatre selector is that that's another one that allows you that extra armoured car. So you could essentially have your two armoured cars escorting uh, a ton of infantry straight up the board yep. uh, from the get-go. Or um, with the, with the armoured car, you could uh, move up and then wreck your way um, to kind of bait someone in. That's true. So kind of nice. Um, I think that that does it with that, the yeah. That's kind of kind of goes um, through it, doesn't it? Um, there is just one. Like I mean, you guys, uh, if you if you have any additional special rules um, in you know the city fighting and urban warfare section, um, uh, if you want to bring up any, but uh, what what I really found um, really cool was the rubble um, and the movement in rubble special rules. So basically, there's a table here, so you can re uh, basically. Uh, you know, like there's lots of sewers and stuff in Budapest. Um, when there's heaps of rubble um, somewhere, you don't know what's under it. How how solid the ground that, that's is. That's not new though. That that's yeah. from um, Ostrand. Yeah. Originally, yeah. Is it yeah. really? Okay. Yeah. Um, 
it's it's super brutal though. So like if you so if you roll a zero or lower, and there are modifiers though, of course, so you can't actually roll a zero. But if you go through with a vehicle, um, you can just fall into a sewer and just be destroyed. Yeah, um, fall cr crash through into someone's yeah, basement or something. Yeah, yep. and it's minus two for a heavy or super heavy tank. So you can go through there with your king tiger, your big old dick swinging around, and uh, no, just Damn. just fall into the sewer and uh, that that's it. Six hundred points just gone down the drain, literally. <laughs> <laughs> Um, or you know like there's some different things you can belly out um, you can slip you can crunch um, and uh, sounds yeah. like you're talking about weird dance fads right there yeah. floss and all sorts of shit <laughs> no I think it's uh, quite fluffy um, it's I think it's very brutal um, so basically you're probably not going to drive a king tiger through that <laughs> but um, anyway what do you guys uh, is there any, um, I, mean, I, I think the, the, the city fight stuff um, I haven't addressed it in great depth yet because I'm, there's a lot there yeah. um, but I think that's very much for garage gaming yeah, see I've know. gone through the, um, the city siege assets and I absolutely love them um, there's so many different sort of fluffy How cool things. is the graveyard st The cemetery rules. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's just brilliant. It's, um, so there's the, the City Siege assets. It's it's basically set that uh, for each 500 points in your army, you get to choose one of uh, an asset from the list. And there's three lists. So you've got your attackers' assets, defenders, and neutral assets. Um, and they're quite interesting. I mean, neutral assets... There's one there that allows you to take an additional sniper on top of what you're already allowed for a generic uh, reinforced platoon. Uh, Molotovs, you can get a free upgrade to a, a unit having Molotovs. Um, now, here's, here's one that I quite like. Um, and it's... I've actually... I wonder if this may have been borrowed from an earlier edition of 40K. The yeah. city fight stuff? Yeah. The yeah, ammunition, the ammunition dump. Um, so... The way this one works is you choose a building on the table uh, and it's basically considered stocked to the brim with, with spare ammo. Uh, so one of the defender's in infantry or artillery units inside the building within six inches of it uh, each turn gets to uh, re-roll any ones when given a fire or advance order. So you roll a whole bunch of ones, you get to re-roll those dice and see how you go. Yeah, There's another version of that. Um, tucked away in there, I think it's in one of the scenarios um, about the canister drops, um, uh, yeah, yeah, or the glider drops. So you can um, take one of these objectives and you roll to see what's in it. You might end up with a whole bunch of Panzerfausts that you didn't have before, or and that ammo rule is there as well that you've just suddenly got so much ammo you're going to shoot the shit out of everything and another another interesting one here that just for me it really adds the fluff to it is the prisoner interrogations for the attackers so a d3 of the defenders units um, as chosen by the attacker lose the hidden status now once again it's very much a very niche use uh, but we did see that some of those units um, in in the earlier on in the book do have the ability to start in ambush and hidden mm -hmm. Um, so taking that asset actually sort of negates that and gives you a way of going. I think right. the, the other thing that, that's worth mentioning in, in terms of these city fight rules, right? Building a six by four um, of terrain dense enough to justify this, that, that's a bit of an outlay both in the time and enough buildings to, to do it. Yeah. Doing a four by four is a bit less of a uh, commitment. A little less daunting. Yeah. 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 Yeah, for sure. You can more easily uh, represent like a proper, you know, like built-up area on a 4x4. Four four. Um, 
And just lastly, guys, um, and we, I mean, we've kind of mentioned deep striking before, but you can actually do it in this book with sewer movement. Yes. Oh, my gosh. So, basically, you can be in outflank um, and uh, suffer a neg two penalty instead of the neg one. Um, and if you pass that test, you can um, it's basically just, pop uh, up. Yeah, chuds, chuds with guns popping up out of the sewers. Any, anywhere more than six inches away from enemy... Uh, from any enemy model um you can advance and run um onto the table uh with yeah. that. Uh, you can't assault though um this is what happens when you give plumbers guns i'm yeah. just saying right. yeah nin- ninja plumbers the, yeah it's pretty brutal though so if, if a fubar result is rolled by a unit attempting to use sewer movement it gets hopelessly lost suffocates or triggers a booby track trap and the unit is destroyed wow mm. that's I mean, that's a deep strike mishap. Yeah, that's a, oh, I'm, sure. that's a bloody cool rule. I mean, I like it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not, I'm not, that's that. I love fluffy, themey yeah. shit like that. That's really good. Particularly since the rule otherwise is very strong. Right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, that, that's a cool little yeah, thing. Yeah, I dig it. Anywhere yep. and, um, yep. you know. Cool. Um, any closing, closing thoughts, boys, on Fortress Budapest? Big. Big congrats to Brian and the team for writing such a cool book. Well done. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think we've done a few, uh, plenty of praise, but yeah, we'll, I'll repeat it again. Thanks, Brian. This is this is excellent. Yeah. Uh, and I hope, uh, yeah, uh, as you guys said, you know, like I hope Warlord really uses this as a baseline and um, going to the future. Because I know there's been yeah. a couple of books recently who've had some issues, um, particularly the Western Desert book, even though I do like that book, but there's, you know, just in terms of editorial issues, <laughs> um, hasn't been uh, as good as it probably could be. And just a reminder that uh, for the price of a cheap hotel in Cambodia, Lockie will read and proofread and edit uh, <laughs> instructions and books. Well, look, I am pretty desperate at the moment uh, for a job. But, uh, he is nearly down to selling his body on the streets of Fitzroy. Oh, sorry, happened. Brunswick. It's already happened. It's already happened? How, how'd that go for you, mate? You right? Oh, I, I got enough to spend a night in a Phnom Penh hostel. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's so bleak. Add uh, D3 to Phnom Penh. Right? <laughs> You're, how are you Jesus. not a dad? It's terrible. <laughs> No, so we were going to discuss a heap of other stuff, but I think we've reached like two and a half hours and I've, I've kind of had enough. Yeah, I'm pretty um, cooked. Um, yeah. We do have some events coming up. We've got, um, if anyone's going to the GT next month in May um, up in Campbelltown. Campbelltown, yeah. Campbelltown, yeah. Best of luck to you. That's going to be a lot of fun. I'm hoping to get there. Uh, we'll see. How many points is it? Uh, it's a thousand points. I'm pretty That's sure it's points. the CanCon Park. Okay, cool. Look, we're just going to touch on this very, very quickly because I think it's said warrants mentioning. So we've got BadgerCon coming up. Unfortunately, yep. I will not be there. I'm heading over to Bali for my brother's wedding. Um, it is a 1250-point event. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. It's a great regional event run by Gus Zepanik from Zepanik Games. Yeah, 8th of June. 8th of June. It's going to be a fucking baller weekend. Uh, speaking of ballers, 1250 points. Rubes, what were you going to take? Okay, so last year's uh, sampling for me was a six-order dice list in a thousand points, and I thought I can do one better. I'm going to do six points, uh, six dice at twelve fifty, and then uh, Tristan and I got to talking, and as things often do, snowballed more and more, and got more and more ridiculous, and I ended up with a three-order dice list. <laughs> JL is already uh, yeah, just shaking his head in, in shock, dismay and disbelief. It consisted of two regular IS-3s and last but not least, 
a veteran tachanka. And for those of you that don't know what a tachanka is, it's a horse and cart with a rear-facing MMG. At, at veteran, 27 points. Very cheap veteran MMG. So, so what's an IS-3 for those at home who uh, have never really seen one on the table? Because Russian King Tiger. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, let's see. So front armor, 12. Yep. Uh, super heavy anti-tank gun and a pintle-mounted HMG. Hey, hang on, you said armor 12. On the from front. the front, yes. And that's 600 points, that bad boy. Yes, at regular. 700 or 720, I think, at veteran. Yeah, so it was basically an armor platoon. So you 600 points at reg plus 25 points for the, um, command, uh, the, the command option. Another one took it up to 1225. And then, yeah, the Tachanka, I think 24, it, points, 24 points at regular. So we were looking at three dice. It might have been bet at 24. Actually, I think it might have been 24 points uh, I, I, for veteran. I, I just want to watch that five-point Panzerfaust. Yeah, go, just take it out. <laughs> go through no, that. No, look, it's a very innovative list. You guys, <laughs> I'm, sure, I'm sure you guys had a lot of fun making it. But yeah, I, I, I'm not I, actually going to run that that uh, that I, uh, list at BadgerCon, but I have thrown the gauntlet down to Hari to, uh, to face me with that list. Uh, I want him to make an armored platoon, and we're going to rumble at some point. Yeah, I mean, I think that'll be fine. I think uh, in like in any objective-based game, you literally cannot. Oh win. yeah, yeah. You literally cannot win, um, and in any kill point game, basically you'll never lose. Yeah, it was. It wasn't about uh, winning or losing. It's just about putting two massive tanks on there and this pissy little horse and cart in the middle of them just for a laugh. Um, I, I would have. I, I would have. Uh, if I was playing you with it against that list, I would have given your skull. <laughs> for being an asshole for taking that list I think JR would have enjoyed playing it only because he would like to run up and set fire to a Tachanka or like you know just set fire to a, like a whole horse and cut because the model looks great oh yeah oh yeah and I have ordered one uh, from Warlord you <laughs> just um, see enough it's an armor 3 vehicle um, it is wheeled so it does get the bonus movement on roads uh, but it also takes an additional pin every time it gets hit because it is just a cart. In fact, that is its rule. It's just a cart. That is, uh, that's incredible. But anyway, so yeah, BadgerCon's coming up. Uh, feel free to um, get along to that one because yeah, it will be a heap of fun. We had a, we had a great time uh, last year. But, yeah, the yeah. three of us will be going up, I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Um, you know, rolling some dice, having some beers. Absolutely. Um, and then after that, I think we've got our event, which is General Winter. We're putting together a players pack at the moment, uh, trying to sort out some of the iron out some of the details. Uh, and then we've got Operation Sudlich, which we're going to be hopefully attending in October, uh, August, August, or August. So we're heading over for that one to Tassie. Um, yeah, and then uh, sort of get through to the end of the year. Then we'll probably try and convince Lockie to run another event, or maybe Rubes will run one. Yeah. But yeah, guys, have had enough. You ready to go? Yep. Yeah. All right. Um, so, yeah, thanks for joining us on this. Uh, well, you're not joining us on Anzac Day, but, yeah, um, thank you to, uh, like I said, all our serving past and present members. Uh, we really appreciate your efforts. Um, you're still listening. Why? <laughs> reasons. <laughs> thank you. <laughs> Cheers. For, for reasons. Um, thank you very much to the five... Um, uh, P-51 Mustangs that were flying over my house this morning in formation. Uh, it was glorious. Um, yeah, other than that, cheers, boys. Uh, I'll see you on the next one. Night. See you all later. <laughs>